Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. 2024 Wise Guys is here live from our secret location here in Provo. Happy New Year. We are excited to be back. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, we've been recorded the last couple of weeks because it was Christmas Day and then it was New Year's Day. And now it is January 8th, uh, the week of January 8th. For those listening on our podcast, we encourage everybody to jump on our live stream. We've got a good show tonight, a chance to answer some questions, make some comments, but certainly let us know where you're watching. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, the number one BYU sports live stream show in the world is The Wise Guys, and we got a huge year ahead. Yeah, and make sure, hey, if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on YouTube. Um, we'll put the link in the chat here shortly um hit the subscribe button because it's free we're also live on facebook twitch and you can find everything you need at ysguys.com um all the links that you need um it's like a it's like a costco yeah it's, or it's, a super it's, got, target. Everyth- it's got everything you, you want need. clothes and a watermelon and, you can get that and make sure you subscribe there <laughs> because if you subscribe at wiseguys.com you get a, you get a week, weekly email yeah. with highlights and that kind of stuff on it you get it from the show all the past interviews are there including folks like Steve Young and Danny Ainge and, and Wally Joyner, Marie Osmond, Jimmer Fredette, Kyle Van Noy, Sherry Dew, you name it, they're on there. The best guest list of any show in Utah, period. Period. Of bar any none. format. Bar none. Best guest list, uh, bar none. And that's all there for you. Highlights, full shows, all of it's there at ysguys.com. And more importantly, whatever we got something going on, you'll get an email update. Right out of the gate, Richard, in from Panama tonight. Uh, Roberts from Ridgecrest, California, in with us. Dr. Ruthie is still hanging in. Farmington's in the house. And uh, it was so cool to have everyone there. There's Drummond, Montana, in tonight. And uh, Robert Rob. Keep them coming. There you go, from Ridgecrest, California. Keep it coming, yeah. yeah. Hey, We're, the Philippines. Glenn says, welcome from the sunny Philippines. Glenn, just so you know, you may know this, we're expecting snow every day through the weekend. Yeah. Every day enjoy through the weekend in Utah. So enjoy that sun down in the Philippines. Maybe we need to come join you down there. And we don't have commercials. Thank you, BYU Sports Addict. We don't. This is straight doctrine. Right. It's straight wise guys yes, it doctrine. Big show tonight. BYU signs an experienced quarterback with a history of running an RPO offense. We're going to dive right into that one. Yeah, which Aaron Roderick talked about during this last season, that, that really to run the offense that he wants to run to its fullest, he wants guys that are a run threat, that are dual threat, basically can run that run pass option that can run the zone read and run all of that um, to be the most effective that they can be. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going we're to talk a little bit bit more about that. We also want you to know that Jonathan Tavernari is going to be right here. Right here. Sitting right next to me. He's always got a lot a to say. A legendary three-point shooter is here uh, to talk about BYU's three-point shooting in the in the wake of Saturday night's defeat. Man. Despite three, three, or nine three-pointers by Trevenel. He was on fire. He didn't fire. break the record, but I think if it, he plays five more minutes, he breaks the record. He was on fire. And where was he during those five minutes? We're going to talk yeah. about that. And you know who's got an opinion about that? Jonathan Tavenari. So yeah, that's coming Oh, up. yeah. He, Jonathan will not be afraid to give his opinion. <laughs> Baseball coach so. Trent Pratt is going to be right there as well, live in our that's studio. Right. He'll be right here, too. Cougars right here. are getting ready to open practice for their first Big 12 baseball season. And so we're excited to have Trent Pratt with us. Uh, he said he is looking forward to coming in. Uh, last year, we had him on Zoom. 
That's right. And tonight he's coming in the house. Well, so and at least and cool. at least tonight, the snow doesn't start till later tonight. So they can make it up to our undisclosed location. But we're giving you a little info. It's on a hill. It is. And so it's not good when it snows no. for our guests to come no, in. But, but the forecast is good. You and, I, you and I have, well, you don't have a four-wheel drive. I just live around. And, oh, and, I got all-wheel, but I just live around the Oh, corner. and I see you got your all-wheel drive back. You've been driving yeah. another car well, the last few weeks. Well, it's because there was a situation. Yeah, Dave had a situation where he was driving, and his drivetrain just, you just dropped the drivetrain. It just blew up right on I-15. How does that even happen? I don't know, but it was awful. So, I'm lucky to be alive, as yeah. is my wife. But it's all fixed and better now. Hey, Glenn, Glenn says their white powder is the beautiful beaches. Yeah. Yeah, white powder sand. I could use some of that and not the stuff I need to actually shovel. No, no. So Let's jump into some headlines, and let's start with BYU football. Former South Florida and Baylor quarterback Gary Bohannon made it official. He transferred to BYU. We heard he's coming the last few weeks. And we've been to check we've been, and make sure he had some eligibility. And just so a, you know, because of this being an unaffiliated show, really, yeah. um, we've been talking about Bohannon because mm-hmm. we knew he was coming, but when we acknowledged that he had not committed. It's official now. He is coming. There was a little bit of a hang-up. You know, he's uh, in his seventh year. Right. Just like Cam Rising uh, at Utah. And they had to make sure that, uh, hey, before you transfer here, uh, do you have a year of eligibility? Right, because that would have been bad for him. (laughs) We don't need a guy on the sideline. We need a guy perhaps on the field. Let's talk about him for a moment. And then we're going to get into some basketball facts and then get right to Jonathan Tavenari. Yeah, he's he's a big guy. Yeah. He's a big guy, but very athletic. And BYU remember that he played against them when he was a Baylor in that that big tournament. 12 conference championship team 6'3 and 211 pounds so very athletic he can run the all what we just talked about being able to run the rpo being able to run that zone read um he's got a big arm and can make all the throws but he can also really hurt you with his feet running the ball um they tried to get him before he transferred to south florida um to back up Jaron Hall, but he wasn't interested in being a backup. Which would have been interesting. Right. So, that, like, take they take us through, like, his history so everybody understands how he has this seventh year and where he's come from. You've got this down. So, here's first of all, this will put it in some perspective. He started college when Zach Wilson yeah. started college. And Zach's about to get traded from the Jets in After his third three, year, right? Three, yeah, three years. So, 2018, he redshirted at Baylor. Uh, 2019, uh, redshirt freshman. Uh, then 2020 was covid doesn't count. So that didn't count. 2021, he was part of Baylor's 12-win season. They beat BYU. He beat BYU 38-24. Got injured in the game just before the Big 12 championship game. Didn't play in that, but he got Baylor to that game. And then he played in the Sugar Bowl and beat Ole Miss. Right. So he's got some, he's got some wins under his belt in big situations. Jeff Grimes was the offensive coordinator. you know, And yeah. what did Jeff Grimes... Learn to be an offensive coordinator when Aaron Roderick was the offensive coordinator while Jeff Grimes was allegedly the offensive coordinator. Right, exactly. I like how you said that, allegedly. 2022, he transferred to South Florida. BYU uh, opened the season to South Florida. If you remember, that's the game Puka Nakua got hurt. Yeah. After he took the first play, 75 yards for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Um, Got a medical red shirt for 2023 with an injured shoulder. And 2024 has transferred to BYU. So that is the genealogy from 2018 to now in 2024. But his numbers also support the fact that when healthy, and he apparently is healthy yeah, now, and, and just he's so good. everybody knows, we, we have heard um, that BYU had a chance to see him work out to make sure that, that that shoulder could make a volume of throws and could still make all the throws just like when he was a fully healthy 
quarterback? And and the answer is, yeah, he looked really, really good. Otherwise, they wouldn't have taken this this chance on him. He's thrown for over 3,400 yards and 26 touchdowns, and he's rushed for over 1,000 yards. Hence the dual threat moniker. Dual threat moniker. That's one thing that Keaton Slovis didn't have. Remember, Keaton threw for 11,000 yards, but he wasn't a runner. Right, right. Um, and they also signed uh, six foot three quarterback Trayson Borgay from Central Michigan. That's right. And, and he comes in as a sophomore. Yeah, and it's... I, what I like is that he has three years of eligibility. Remember, I said I wasn't that thrilled with a one-and-done guy. Right, right. Now, now Gary, Bo- like... I don't know. We're going to see. If he's 100% healthy and can play the way he did, because I really believe his issue has not been a decline in his play. It's been injuries. If he's truly 100%, he's probably the one-and-done guy that can really help, right? especially with his ability to run the football. Um, I'm I'm actually really intrigued by uh, Borgay because he does have three years of eligibility and comes in and and is going to compete. Um, and remember that on the roster still, there's Jake Retzleff, who started games down the stretch for BYU. There's uh, Cade Fennigan, and there's Ryder Burton. Um, they're all back back on this roster. So what does this mean? What is it if well, you're you, one of those three and you see Bohannon sign, and then you see Borgay sign? What are you thinking if is you're Jake? It, is the message, Jake? or if you're Cade, or if you, are you going? Whoa, do these guys not believe in me? And this is this juggling act that happens in college football. It's the one position where you you only have one guy that plays typically, and you have to recruit right over the top of those guys every year because you just don't know who's going to turn out and who's going to get hurt. And yeah. you have to have a couple of them that can both play, right? We've learned that. BYU's learned that. Yeah. U- Utah learned it sadly last year, right? They, they were not the, not even close without their guy. Every every team in America, it seems, lost their quarterback yeah. for a while at and least. So, so you've got you got to recruit right over the top. And and the message it's sending in as, as coaches, like Aaron Roderick and and this this group of offensive coaches has to they've got to sell these guys on the message that like, hey, this doesn't mean the job's not yours. We didn't promise anybody, because I can tell you they didn't promise Bohannon. Um they they didn't promise Borgay. They didn't promise anybody the job. They haven't promised Jake Retz left the job. They didn't promise it to him last year when he came out of JC as the number one junior college recruit in the country. And so they're saying there's going to be a competition. You're going to push each other. And whoever's the best guy and gives us the best chance to win is going to start. And if somebody goes, well, if I'm not the starter, I'm out. You don't want that guy anyhow. Yeah, but do you wonder if uh, Jake thought maybe, hey, uh, I played four games. Didn't win any of them, but I played four games. If he'd have won four games, they wouldn't have gone and recruited these guys. If, they, if he'd have beat Oklahoma, the, the narrative, and I wrote about it today in the Deseret News at Deseret.com. If he'd have beat Oklahoma uh, or Oklahoma State, there would have been a bowl game, and, uh, and the narrative would be totally different. If he beats Oklahoma State and, and Oklahoma, and then he wins a bowl game, there would we wouldn't even be having this discussion. Because I don't think BYU, BYU might have gotten an insurance guy, but they wouldn't have been saying, hey, we've got a... You know, this thing's up for grabs. Everybody's competing. Because he had a chance to play, and there were, there were still questions. And there's, there's, there's a glimpse of what he might be able to be if he can take care of the football. He's dynamic. Yeah. He has an arm. He can really sling it. But, but can he consistently perform and take care of the football? They don't know that yet. They, all, he didn't prove that. No. And all of a sudden, spring football just got really, really Yeah, spring football just got fun. Every day is going to be fascinating to see who's, a, who's ahead in the race. Yeah. And, and competition is a good thing. Competition's a good thing. Hey, Evan from Laramie, Wyoming's got the wise guys tonight. Yeah, hey, hey That's Laramie. That's a first for us, Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah, I love that. Fantastic, Evan, thank Evan, you. Evan, because we, we realize there's a lot of uh, um, folks up in Wyoming that are members of the 
uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day right. Saints that don't necessarily like BYU. <laughs> no. And they love them some cowboys. Evan, I hope you're going to be at War Memorial on September 14th but when the Cougars come over Here's the thing. There. Evan's middle name is Nephi. Yeah, well, I know. I know, but it's... This is his team. It's serious business BYU is his team. So <laughs> It's serious business Yes, over it there. is. Yes, it is. The Big 12 schedule we think could be released next week. Yeah. They which, said middle of January, and next week we're in the middle of January, even later this week. Which will be really interesting. I mean, remember, BYU had one of the toughest, at, when the season was all said and done, BYU had one of the toughest schedules in the country um, last year. I mean, you just expect it. you're going to have one of the toughest in the country in basketball. Yeah. If you're in the league, you're going to have one of the toughest in the But for, for football, because you don't play everybody, um, you know, there's a chance that you maybe have a little bit easier schedule in, in terms of home and away. Um, or you could have a really difficult one. So we're really anxious to see how this thing plays out, especially with Oklahoma and Texas gone now. You know, yeah. who, who do they play and how does it go? Yeah, so. and uh, who do we open with? And, right. And we know who's coming and we know where BYU's going. We just don't know the dates, but we might find that out this week. So hang with us. We'll right. keep you posted on that. Spring practice, March 1st. That's just around the corner. We got yes. NFL playoffs and then we got the Super Bowl and then we can get into spring practice. Yeah, exactly. And then the alumni game. Um, are we going to be? In, we're going to be involved in that again, right? We're yeah, going to call that again. Yeah. You and I get to call it's, that right now. It's in discussion as far as what day to hold it. Yeah, all. what to Sometime have Sometime in yeah. April, I imagine. But, but like I, nobody's talked to me. They just assume that we're just going to do whatever they ask yeah. us to do, and Max, which, which is probably true. We expect Max. Uh, we expect Max Hall to miraculously Max recover, completely rehab from that Achilles. He says and, he's going to be ready to go and be uh, and be joining us. We're looking forward to that. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that. The season opener. Against Southern Illinois is 33 weeks from Saturday. Yes. We're in the year. We're in the calendar year. 33 weeks from Saturday. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. Let's so. talk basketball. The rankings out today. BYU's 12-2. and two. They're 0-1 in the Big 12. The net has them at 4. Yeah. AP top 25 today has them at 18. They dropped six spots. Yeah. Uh, coaches poll has them at number 17. Ken Palm still has them at 9. So so the analytics metrics that they lean heavily on, net is the number one metric that they use. Ken Palm's also used. Um, is uh, It's still favorable for them. That's the beauty of being in this league. And yeah. you've talked about that in one of the articles that you, yeah. that you wrote. That Hey, welcome to the Big 12. You can lose a game and not fall off the face of the earth, right? And then and then Joel Lenardi has them as a three seed. He, he lists BYU-Baylor as one of the five most intriguing games of the week. Which is tomorrow week. night. And, and as you and I were saying, you know, BYU is the kind of team because they're so heavily relying on shooting that, that if they have an off-shooting night, they could lose to anybody in the league. But on an on-shooting night, they go out and shoot 45% from three, 48 to 50% from the field, which they're capable of doing. Um, they can beat anybody in the league. Um, if they struggle and go nine minutes without scoring, they can lose to anybody in the yeah, league. And absolutely. that's... Get used to that this year, and especially, especially, and we're going to talk more about it with Jonathan Tavernari when we bring him on in a minute. But especially if Foose doesn't get healthy real fast, where they have an inside presence, where when when teams go and press on them outside and really push up on them and and don't help down because they're not worried about an inside presence, it's tough because you don't get a lot of good looks from the outside. So they got to figure out something. It was an interesting uh, opener against Cincinnati. Yeah. Full yeah. house, not quite a sellout, but enough to make a whole lot of noise. Uh, BYU looked okay in the first half. They're up seven at the break. They're shooting it. And, well, Trevin uh, yeah. was shooting it. At moments, <laughs> at moments they looked like a top 10 team mm -hmm. in that first half. Uh, but in the second half, Cincinnati played better and beat them 71 to 60. Cougars shot 13 of 46 from the three-point line. Uncharacteristic of them, four of 32 from the guys not named Trevin Nell. 
Trevin made nine three-pointers, one shy of the school record. Uh, after his 9-3, went to the bench. With 10.30 left, Cincinnati was up by two. He stayed on the bench till 4.33 to go. And yeah, Cincinnati I can't, I can't up wait to talk to Jonathan about that. 61-53. We wonder, was it a mistake? I asked Mark Pope in the post-game interview on BYU TV if, um, if uh, Nell had stayed on the bench too long, if it was part of the rotation. He said no, and then he didn't give much of an answer after that. He yeah. wasn't going to, wasn't in the mood to do that. And and uh, talked about how valuable Trevin was and, 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 and he, all of that. What Cougar Nation wanted to know was why, why, yeah. why, but he wasn't quite ready to give the why. Well, they hoisted up 46 threes, and they made 28% of them. Remember, we, we've talked all year about the goal is to shoot 38% or higher and to shoot around 35 a game. That's what Mark wants to do. If you're 38% or higher, you're, top, you're typically top 20 in the country and three-point percentage shooting at 38 or higher. Um, if you're going to shoot that many, you want to be top 20 in the country. And that's a six, you know, if you consistently do that, that's a successful plan to be able to go do that. But you can't shoot 28.2%. No. And you can't shoot 329 from the field. And they got now, out rebound for the first I'll time. I'll say there is one bright side. This team does have energy and defense, and they do try to rebound. They didn't rebound as well as they did at Utah. Um, but and you and I have talked about this. We talked about it a little earlier today. Last couple of years, teams shoots 28% from three and 32 from the field. They lose to Cincinnati by 30 points. Last couple of years, team goes up to Utah and shoots as miserably as they did there. They don't have the ball in the last possession with a chance to win because those teams didn't play defense the way this one does, and those teams didn't get after it on the offensive glass and get extra opportunities the way this one does. So, so they lose an 11-point game and shoot it just absolutely horribly. That's, I'm going to take a good out of that for this game because that's where they are better than last year. They, they would get killed in games like that against teams as good as Cincinnati last year. Fusini Traore uh, made his return. Uh, since that uh, injury on the day after Thanksgiving against North Carolina State. He played just uh, eight minutes, had 1.2 rebounds. He wasn't ready to play. No, he, and he just I, wasn't that, ready to go. That was the disappointing thing for me because I, and maybe I misinterpreted as we've been watching the last couple of weeks. I thought the idea was he's, he's going to have a full week of practice. We're not going to play him in the Wyoming game, uh, but he did practice the week before a little bit. He's going to have a full week of everything. He's going to be ready to go against Cincinnati. I didn't realize that ready to go was to get limited minutes and to play himself back into being able to play because he did not look effective when he was in there. And uh, I, honestly, with a 100% Foose who demands a double team when you throw it to him down the post, that takes pressure off of your perimeter shooters. It forces them to get into rotations. Now you can quickly share the basketball and move the ball around and you can get open looks. When you're not worried about about him down low and you can single him up and you can hesitate to go to the double and you can stay on shooters and you can be there on the catch it changes the game in terms of your ability to shoot and i mean the other answer to that is well then put the floor on the you know put the ball on the floor and take it off the bounce and go attack which is what cincinnati does that's how they get to the free throw line but this team's really not built that way to be great at playing on attack and taking it off the dribble um it would be really nice to have Foose at 100%. I will say that a Foose at 100%, like at his peak, as good as he was last year with his full vertical and his ability to score one-on-one, changes the way Cincinnati can defend BYU, and there's a different outcome. But he's not healthy, and it looks like he may be a few weeks away. Yeah, and he might be healthy, just rusty. You know, yeah, just and, and that could be the case, so we'll see. We'll Dawson see. Baker played just two minutes. He seems destined for a medical redshirt year. Which is too bad, because he, he is a guy that can take it off the dribble Yeah, and, and, and get into the... He'll be I a mean, starter next year. It, it's interesting. Do you remember... 
every game we ever did when TJ Haas was playing. And people make fun of TJ. Let me tell you this about TJ Haas. Every time we did a game, which was, I don't know how many games we did that TJ played in. You and I probably did quite a few of them. 60 or 70 games that he played in. Yeah. Every single coach, when we started with the opponent, said, well, the first thing we got to do is we got to figure out a way to stay in front of TJ Haas. Because you can't stay in front of him. No matter what we do, he will take you off the dribble. He will get by. He will get into your interior and get us into rotations, which kills us when we have to get into rotations. Can't stay in front of that guy. That's a huge talent. To be able to break down a defense. And and BYU, I mean, they have some guys. Richie Saunders is a guy that maybe can do that. Um, Dallin Hall needs to be a guy that can do that, but he's got to make shots. Maybe we settle a little bit too much. Uh, um, uh, BYU did in that game the other night to just shoot jump shots and didn't plan attack enough. But a TJ Hawes type mentality where you're going to push up on me, fine. I will go by you. I will get into the interior. You will have to help to get to me, um, and then I will find an open guy, and then we'll move the ball, and somebody's going to get an open shot. I didn't see that the other night. Baylor is tomorrow night, Tuesday night. They're 12-2, and 1-0 in the Big 12, 7 p.m. Mountain Time on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. They're 14th in the AP Top 25 and the coaches poll, and they're number 15 in the net. Beat Oklahoma State and Stillwater on Saturday in overtime, 75-70. to 70. Caleb Lohner is on the Bears. He didn't play much the other night, but he'll reunite with uh, with BYU. We'll have more on them in a moment. Let's bring in our first guest. He knows all about three-point shooting. Yes, he does. Remains number two all-time at BYU with 202 of them. Also number two with 535 attempts. That one does not surprise us uh, at all. It's our pleasure to welcome Jonathan Tevinari to the Wise Guys. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me, guys. I uh, Always watch it, and it's fun to to be a part of it this week. So. Well, you're you're a headliner tonight, so let's get yes. after it. What do you think? We're excited of these, to uh, get your thoughts, on, and we know you will give us your thoughts. These twelve and two Cougars, and by the way, uh, you were great on BYU TV. Yeah, Thank we you. love that having was, you that on. Was there. Fun. We're glad yeah, to we have love you. having you on that with us. Yeah, I. The, and I think that I don't know if you guys have announced he had the Cougar board question. And, well, that and one's on. coming up in just a bit. Yeah. yeah. It. I think that's the question in everybody's mind. Why the heck did Trevin set for so long? Mm. And the one thing after watching the game, knowing Mark, seeing the team, I would say that he wanted to get Jackson going. That's my personal feeling. Mm. Because doing that stretch, right? And I mean, you, you guys are the pros and you guys were there calling the game. Jackson was the main one getting shots up during the break. Dallin did too. But I think that they were trying to get Jackson going because we haven't really seen him much. I mean, the Wyoming game, it wasn't very good. Since and his sprained ankle, he's been yeah, a little it, quiet. It, it's, it's too bad because he was – I mean, think about it, Jonathan. Um, we had uh, – what game did we do right before Wyoming? Bellerman. Yeah, Bellerman's coach said – that could be the best shooter in the country right there. He's talking about Jackson Robinson. He was playing with so much confidence, and at 6'7", with a 7-foot wingspan, it's hard to contest his shot. Oh, yeah. And so he goes down with that ankle injury, then he sits, and he hasn't been quite right Ever since, since then. So what do you do to get a guy like that right again? And, and if you guys remember, just to add to that, uh, Blaine, they were taught, I mean, uh, Jonathan Giveney from Draft Express, it, it was giving him a lot of love and yeah. saying, hey, you know, you might be a, right. a, a late bloomer on next year's draft or the mm -hmm. year after that. And so what do you do? I think that's what Mark was trying to do, which is, you know, we need him, maybe get him going. But uh, the ankle is, is tricky. Because especially with basketball and your first lateral movement, everything starts on your feet and your footwork. And so 
to me, you know, um, I'm very close to Trevin. Yeah. Um, you know, we've worked together before, working on his shooting and, and different tips and so on. Um, it, 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 it was surprising to have him be on the bench for that long. Again, my personal opinion, obviously, you know, hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Looking mm-hmm. back, you should have never taken him out. I personally wouldn't have. As a shooter, whenever I got going, I never wanted to come off the floor. I mean, you drag me off the floor until I can't shoot anymore. Uh, but I think what you know, I think what Mark was doing is trying to get Jackson Robinson going because we need him, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what he was trying to do, and it wasn't very successful. They, they need both to be good in this league. They need both of those guys to go off, right? Right, absolutely. And, and, and to me, the saddest thing was, you know, and, and with the people around me, I said, we're going to waste a career night. I mean, he could have had as many threes as Chase Fisher. One, when, he was just one short. Yeah, you know I, I, I mean? was looking at Jackson. So 27 minutes, Jonathan. Jackson wasn't right. He yeah, wasn't he, right. You could he was see two it. of seven yeah. from the field yeah. and one of five from three, two rebounds. Just didn't look right. No, and, and again, right. I He's mean, better than that. And I think that him his flow his rhythm right i mean you're talking about it, all of the accolades and things that we're saying mm-hmm. to him he was on fire i mean he was you know on a trajectory that was unbelievable and so what i think it happened is mark wanted to go with jackson to see if he could kind of like you know kind of when you're pushing a car that the battery's kind of you know funky see if you could kind of like you know push him into ignition. to get him jump started yeah, yeah but it just didn't work out and and when you look at the numbers excuse me when you look at the numbers BYU got out-rebounded, which hasn't happened a then, lot this yeah. year, and 18 turnovers. Yeah. And I I'm, yes. you know, I coach my little boy's team, and what I say is I would rather you jack up a shot backwards rather than you turn the ball over. <laughs> because if you're turning the ball over, you're not getting a chance to shoot it, to score the baskets. And then, you know, you mentioned uh, Dawson. I think that Dawson's minutes were a byproduct of Trey not playing well. Trey right. was there for four minutes. I don't minutes. think Dawson was going to play at all. I don't think yeah, so either. I, I yeah. think he's going to – what's happening with Dawson is, you know, they have a certain amount of time to decide whether they're going right. to medically redshirt him. And every time he plays extended minutes, the foot hurts the next yeah. day. And it's just like he's too much of a talent to nurse the injury all year right. long. It's like, okay – He's not far enough removed from, from having that thing fixed. If he can't go full go, let's sit him this year, and then you bring him back. He's a really gifted with a ball in his hand, can create for himself, right. is strong, um, reliable free throw shooter, and, and will go score through contact. And then you bring, you bring back Colin Chandler with him, and now you got something. So I, I'm with you, Dave. I think they've maybe not officially made the decision yet, but I think they're going. And, and to add to that, I think that look at Trevin. I mean, Trev had a great season, you know, before, and then he redshirted last year. We All of us were like, is he going to redshirt? Is this real? Is this mm-hmm. legit? He ended up doing it. Look at the year he's having this yeah. year. And then to be able to bring in Colin in a way that you don't have to throw him to the Wolves at, you know, the first five, ten games of the season. Right. I think that's the right decision to make. But even five for ten for the free throw line, they were, I mean, BYU shot 50% from the yeah. free throw line. Yeah. People, 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 were saying, people were saying to me today. Yeah. Oh, this is ridiculous, Cincinnati. And I said, guys, since like that's not on the ref. Cincinnati played on attack. They turned downhill. Oh, they went to the front of the rim. They, they got the fouled. BYU just game. threw the ball around the perimeter and jacked up three pointers. They shot forty-five of them. Yeah. You're not going to get fouled shooting forty-five free throws. So, am I surprised that BYU shot ten? Not a bit. That's that's not on the officials. Cincinnati was the aggressors the right. entire time. And right. I, I, the one thing, and you know, we've always everybody has said, you guys have said it during pregame and so on. If BYU can finish in the top half of the Big Twelve, yes. they are locked for now, the NCAA. Hey, 
nine, nine and nine is my goal for them. But I for the for the season. Here's the here's the trick to that, and I thought that was the, that was feasible too. But now you have to make up a game. Yeah, because that's the game were, you should have won. Yeah. You were counting on that nine and nine. You were counting with a win. Uh, maybe, yeah, home maybe you get it tomorrow night against Baylor. Because here's what I yeah. think is going to happen. I think they'll go get a makeup one because they're gonna they're gonna go out and shoot forty five from three and fifty two from the field in a game yeah. on the road against a team that they are not supposed to have any chance to beat yeah. and they'll just beat them because they'll, they'll, they'll and then, and then they may lose another one that they're You're not right. supposed to lose because they're gonna shoot twenty eight and they're gonna unfortunately um, when this is the style you play with. Um, you're gonna have a bad shooting night oh. once in a while. Um, I, you, I, I do appreciate you live by like, the three and you like, die by I the do three. appreciate that they play such good defense and and typically are so good on the offensive glass because they had the ball in, on last possession against Utah even though they shot it miserably, and which I, says something. And 71 points scored against, you know, suffered. That's that's not bad. Yes, that's 35 points. That's what Wyoming scored. Right. That's not bad defense. Right. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, <laughs> they just, it wasn't working yeah. on the other. No, it that's wasn't. Right. And, and, and Trevin, it's. It's always interesting to me because I know in a coach's mind he's got some rotations like man I got and Mark has a lot of guys right he's got like ten guys like I got to get these guys in I want to have everybody engaged we're gonna play this guy then we're gonna sit him we're gonna do this trying to get Jackson going yeah. um, and but at some point does an assistant coach walk over and go coach do not take him out until he misses a shot like. He's just made nine. Let's just milk it. I know we're supposed to go to this. Let's just milk it. Uh, I, yeah. And let's play him until he misses. And maybe he makes three more. I yeah, yeah. And I maybe I should have yelled louder. Yes. <laughs> well, there were a lot of groans. So, hey, put Nellie. Yeah. Let me and tell you, we're going to talk Mark. to Trent Pratt about. Yeah. Last year, Luke Anderson hit three home runs and three at bats, oh, and he gosh. sent him up a fourth time. And then he almost hit that one out. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. The hot bats stay in. The yeah. hot hands stay in. But on this case, uh, and I thought Nell might have been gassed when he went to the bench. He'd been playing a lot. Did you think so? Because I just wasn't I, sure. But then he stayed there, and that was that was. Well, and, here, and here's the thing. Like it's 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 interesting because Mark's been asked, and they've just said no. We you know there were some things we were trying to do, which I'm sure they were. But but even no matter what you say, behind the scenes, and we've been behind the scenes, you know, coaches will go, oh, crap, we should have left. <laughs> we should have yeah. played. We should have played him five more minutes. And, and I don't. And, you know, I don't think that it would be a bad thing for Mark to say, look, we were trying to get Jackson going. And yeah. I think everybody in the world would say, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Because Jackson is the man. But then how do you say that and then not maybe, you know, not throw some dirt, but maybe throw some shade towards yeah. Travis. But Travis was like, look, hold up. I'm like about to score 10 threes Just in the game. Just give me the ball. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I, I think the way that Mark politically correctly answered that and said that to you i was actually pushing mitch harper i was texting mitch and i'm like i'm like freaking harp let me double down on that question i need to know yeah. you know but i think yeah how do you you know it's it's a fine line between and you know this yeah like having yeah. the confidence the irrational confidence and then you know shaking your boots a little bit and so it's not and, and they do need to get jackson going oh yeah because in the long run he needs to be a contest. He needs to be back to where he was before the ankle injury. Dallin should be the one shooting 12 threes and, in a game. And they no. need Foos. And they need Foos. And they need Foos to be a presence that demands a double team or he scores. And I think Noah played well, but not as well as he has been playing, which is another factor. I, I, I was watching as I was watching that today um, because I was in Rome Saturday. So I had to watch oh, it today. Did you go to the temple? Yes, we did. Isn't it amazing? We, oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. The uh, statue of Christ and the twelve apostles in that. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it, it, we it were, takes your breath away. So every single time, or whenever we had time off, my son is crazy about animals. 
And so we would go to the and Rome. And you, you, were, you were in Rome yeah. playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we would go to Rome, and then we would, um, because we, we had friends and, and knew people, we would walk the grounds as they were building. And, oh. and the, it was it's unbelievable. A, two things took my breath away. We came around that corner to the visitor center and saw that. Yeah. And then we walked in. That took my breath away. The other thing is, is we went into the Academia Museum. Okay. And we turned the corner. And and Michelangelo's David is at the end of the corridor, and you don't realize how big it is until you I, get I there. I just went, oh, oh my goodness, like that. It was breathtaking. I know this is not an art thing, but do you know the story about David? Do you know how the Michelangelo, how David oh, yeah. came about? Yeah. I, well, here's what I love. The, my favorite. You, I want to hear your part of the story. Yeah. My favorite is, is that I found out that Michelangelo was a guy. So Bernini, who's a friend, now we're doing an art show. Do you know the story? But Ber Ber Bernini is an artist who's one of the greatest sculptors of all time. Yeah. And the Borghese Museum has all of his great works. And he did one of David, David and Goliath, and some beautiful, beautiful works. But Bernini was just like, I will use the finest quality materials of ever, right? Like, I need the most perfect marble he was to carve out. And Michelangelo was like, no, give me the crap that everybody else threw away. So the David was an old piece of marble that somebody else had already started carving on. And they go like, we don't like this piece of marble. And he's like, they I, am so, I am so gifted. Yeah. I want the crap marble because I will make this thing into a thing of beauty. And he carved the David out of a piece of scrap marble. Yeah. And it is one of the, it. It may be the greatest sculptor so of all was, time. So he was already a somebody in Rome and the Vatican, but back home in in Tuscany in Florence, he was you know it, he wasn't as grand. Yeah. And people said that that piece of marble was cursed, and he said, and people were like doubting him a little bit because everybody knew about him in the Vatican, but they were like, are you, why? Why are you so good? Yeah. So he paid for the piece of marble for that, that he bought with his own money. And he went and he sculpted it. And doing his thought process, I know because I lived in, in Tuscany for three seasons. Yeah, yeah. And he said... We were in Florence also this That's week. amazing. And yeah. so he, the whole thought process was, what is the greatest underdog story in the whole world? And it's, it's Michelangelo. Mike, David and Goliath, right? And, and the way that they yeah. explained and the way, you know, David is holding, the, he's rock holding the rock in a certain way and the way he's looking, it is, it is unbelievable. It's, it, it's crazy. So, and I know you play, I know you played over there. So there's your art lesson there for the go. day, everybody. And it, it was the, the Temple Visitor Center is yeah. breathtaking. The temple is breathtaking. And, and if you've never been to Florence to see the, the Michelangelo's David, that's right. when you turn the corner and walk down, it literally will take your breath away. It's so spectacular. It was, it was really yeah, cool. That's awesome. So, and I thought about you being on the show, and I know that you had played over there. Yeah, so I knew that you would you'd appreciate that. Yeah. So now i got a basketball question for yes. you. I, we've called games that you've been in where I know you felt like Trevor Nell felt the other night. Yeah. What, we've not had that. I maybe had it in high school, but, but at, at a big level – What's it like when just everything you're shooting's going down? I've had that at the Marriott Center at back when it was 23,000, 22,700, yes, yes. right? And you guys remember They're that. They're sitting on benches up there instead of chair seats. And so I will tell you this. It is an out-of-body experience. Um, when you make the first one, the fans go wild. You make the second one after they miss the shot. And then when you can get another stop, and you make a third three-pointer in a row, and the Marriott Center's roof is about to explode. <laughs> and you and I know you guys, and I'm getting chills just talking about it, and you guys know what I'm talking about. Yes. And uh, as soon as you made that third one, and the only thing you hear is the crowd going crazy, but you kind of hear the whistle of them calling a timeout. And I can think back of me just yelling and doing the things I used to do. It is an out-of-body experience. <laughs> and so, you, so part of that, I love that. 
To, I, don't, I didn't think about that. Part of it is that whistle you hear in the background indicates to you, I just hit them so hard and yeah. so quick that they had to call a time. And I remember the first time that happened to me. And I remember all of my games. I, you know, obviously I, I love the game and I love BYU. But um, I was a freshman playing against TCU at home. And I went six for six. And then I missed my seven. I, I was ended up being six for seven for the game. And it was kind of like my coming out party as a freshman. Yeah. I think I called and that I, game. And I remember knocking down the third three-pointer. The TCU coach called a timeout. And I remember just the whole gym is going wild. I can see my mom and dad in the stands saying, my mom's crying. My dad is just, <laughs> you know, hyping it up. Kenny Young is coming at me and just shaking me up. Those are out-of-body experience. And I'll tell you what, because I'm, I'm very close to Trev, when he made his 7th, 8th, and ninth, oh my goodness. I was having an out-of-body experience because <laughs> I was like, that's my boy. You know, like, yes. I was just having that proud moment. And so... That's what it feels like. Former Cougar Jonathan Tavanari is on The Wise Guys, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. JT played for BYU between 2006 and 2010, holds the BYU record for making at least one three in 22 consecutive games. Great to have him with us. We say hello to Neil in Tucson, Michael from Beaumont, Texas, as uh, Cougar fans around the world joining Wise Guys tonight. So Baylor's tomorrow night, and there's an interesting three-point set up in that game right uh baylor's number one in the ncaa in three-point percentage at 43 byu's number 44 at 37 but byu's number one in three-pointers made per game at 12.9 baylor's back at 37 at 9.4 byu's number five in three-point defense baylor's number 77 ah, there's the crack in the armor so what's the key in this shootout tomorrow in waco um I think it's going to be a very hype game for them because if I understand, it's the second time ever they play on that arena. Yeah. And so I think that that's obviously with, you know, school pretty much back in session. It's going to be packed. It, it's going to remind, it reminds me a lot of some of the games BYU had in Moraga against mm. St. Mary's. Yeah. It's a smaller arena. Doesn't feel like, you know, a Marriott Center type of vibe. Um, and so I, I, I and, and, and Baylor now it's a national powerhouse and be national championships and so on. Um, I don't think so much of the storyline with Caleb and so on. I think it has been moved on and kind of spast that a little bit. But I think the key is going to be, you know, Baylor is now on the up and up, right? Mm -hmm. They had a couple few games. They kind of slipped a few ones back. But they're kind of building their momentum, right. which they always have made a name for themselves in the Big 12 of building that momentum and winning five, six, seven games in a row. And BYU is, they're not going to face a tougher road environment than Baylor at Baylor against a, a top eight. I think they're 14 in the country this week. Mm -hmm. it, it's going to be massive. Are they going to be able to knock down enough shots? And then if Baylor is not making them, but they're going to be physical. That's the one thing we know about Caleb, right? I mean, I know I was very critical about his shooting and everything, but Caleb was a man playing with yes. children, right? Physical. And uh, they have like seven or eight Caleb's that yeah. are like that. And so is BYU going to be able to hold the momentum? I think it's a huge game. Um, you know, something that uh, that Tyler Hall says a lot on the, on the pregame. Um, are they going to be able to play the same way of the same intensity, have somebody knock down shots after they lose maybe one, two, three games in a row? Yeah. I think Jimmer said that to you guys as well. Yeah, Jimmer talked show. about that with us. And so – 
I think that's the key tomorrow. How is BYU going to react after having lost a winnable game? Because there's a difference when you get whooped by. You when know, you go to Kansas and you lose to Kansas, like oh well, it's Kansas at you know at their field house. You get it, but when you lose at home, a losable game, and probably you know you probably felt the same thing. Oh gosh, I can't believe I I lost. A winnable game, and so see when I was at BYU, we never lost one of those. <laughs> I never lost. No, those, I'm, so not I, I, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm kidding. We there lost were a couple that got away. We, we lost a couple that we shouldn't like. We lost the UNLV once, which was like what, and we did yeah. lose the UTEP once. Yeah, but yeah, that was a low of lows. But well, that's the thing. But, like, but you know what? Even my time during the Mountain West, like I went back, I had one bad loss in my entire career at BYU, which is against a Boise State team that Kobe Carl played in it that we had no business losing to them. But other than that, like all of the other games, I think maybe at Beaumont when we played at Beaumont for Kina Young. Yeah, 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 I remember that. But other than that, you, you lost to teams that were really good. Like I never lost to Wyoming. You, you got to take care of the games to, you're supposed to, to win. Colorado right? State never lost to TCU. Like, and that's the thing about we, going. We, we lost to UTEP and Native. Like, it was the biggest upset in college football in like three decades, and I was part of that crap. Yeah. And to your so, point, those are the, you have to take care we, of. Those we we games. had just won the. My the the year before we were eleven and one we lost the opener at Baylor on the road right which was okay we won eleven straight beat Missouri in the bowl we came around went thirteen and zero the next year won the national championship we finished number seven the one year we finished number one the next year and we had everybody back the next year and we go we start out like how many you know and we're ranked in the top five again and we lost on the road to UTEP and who like I don't know they won like one game in three years. It was despicable. It was it's a like, tough what time. did we just do? It was a tough time for all what of us. What did we just do? And then we lost to UCLA, who was really good that year and shouldn't have lost. And then we lost 10-6 to Ohio State in the Citrus Bowl. And we still finished number 12 in the country that year. But yeah. yeah, so that's not a lot of losses, but I was part of one that we should have won. So let me ask you this. It doesn't feel good. It's awful. I still remember it. It's one of the most hated it games ever. It stays with you. you get him yeah. some water. You never forget those. Some water. I got to cool off. <laughs> um, one more question for you, and then we're going to hit you up with five straight, and then Trent Pratt, the baseball coach, is going to slide in with us tonight here on The Wise Guys. But you picked up the game of basketball as a boy growing up in Brazil. Yeah. What has that game done for your life that's led you to The Wise Guys here tonight? Yeah, it's interesting that you said that. I was talking to my mom about this, and it's I don't know if I could have accomplished everything that I have in my life without basketball. Um, my parents were, you know, lower middle class in Brazil, so they could have given me opportunities to to go to a an okay college maybe, but I wouldn't have any opportunity to come to America to graduate from really good high schools, to graduate from a college. You know, I, I went to the Marist School of Business, which is one of the best in the country. Yeah. And and so and it was all because of basketball. And then I got to play professionally, I got to go overseas. Um, I got to do a ton of things for the church in Italy because I spoke Italian. I'm half Italian, so I speak Italian. And then for the for the majority of the time there, aside from when Eric was there, Eric Mika, I was the only professional athlete in Italy that was a member of the church. So being involved with, you know, charity situations, volunteer opportunities, get to meet a lot of the general authorities and area leaders and, and, and do a lot of some of the translation that happened in the, in the Rome temple and be a part of that without basketball. And then I obviously connected the church with basketball. I mean, my mom, my dad is 5'9", my mom is 5'8". Wow. I look exactly like them, so I don't look like the milkman. And so, but, <laughs> but what I would say is if it wasn't for basketball, and I feel like that was my God-given talent, yeah. 
that God put me on this earth for me to play basketball, for me to, you know, be an outspoken person. You know, um, we follow each other on social media. Mm -hmm. You guys have seen how much I share about the gospel. And so I try to do it, and I don't know what I could have done without basketball in my life. And and I think I joined that with the church. So I, I, I know that it was God sent, you know, and Jonathan, you know, you guys know the story in the Bible with Saul and with uh, with David. Um, and so I feel like, you know, the gospel and the church and, and basketball to me is intertwined, much like it was for Kresner Chosich and with somebody mm-hmm. that I, I, I look up to a lot. Absolutely. Great answer. Good stuff. You ready for five questions, Blaine? Oh, yeah. Let's Lay do it on this. Him. Your favorite sports movie? Uh, Rudy. I Good. love that his favorite sports movie is a, fo- a football movie. One yeah. number was Rudy. Do you guys remember? I have no idea. You know, Dave and I got. The, we were really lucky. We were back at Notre <laughs> Dame, and we did we did a show um, from Notre Dame, and Rudy came on with us. Yeah. And when he came out of the tunnel, and you know he doesn't look like Rudy on the film. Yeah. And, um, but the fans knew who he was. He looked they, more like an usher. And, and they started to go, Rudy. I was like, No, I got the chills. Rudy played with like, forty five guys. And so I played 45. That's, That's right. right. Is that right? And by the way, Rudy's a, uh, Rudy's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which I is really it. cool. So um, your favorite singer or band? Favorite singer or band? Um, I'm probably going to go with Will Smith. Will Smith, the Fresh Prince. Yeah. That's her first in, a, in the 18 months of yep, the Wise that's Guys. That's right. Yeah. Will Nobody's Smith. ever gone with Will Smith, All but right. I kind of like it. Yeah. So um, your favorite breakfast cereal? This is the most important question. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Okay. Yes. I thought about that right before I came for my pregame meal today, but instead I went with Cinnamon Life. Oh. Right. So, so but cinnamon, toast, cinnamon in there. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. Excellent choice. Um, your favorite BYU moment? Favorite BYU moment? Um, I remember the first time we won a game at Air There's two, and I'll be quick. Um, the first one is when we beat Air Force my freshman year. Um, we at least had gotten a share of the championship. And it was the first time in a few years that BYU has gotten a share of the regular mm, season. Right. Brian Santiago comes to the locker room, crazy, and you guys know B, takes his ring off, puts on the middle of the floor, and said, all of you guys just got one of those. And it was the first time that I ever won a championship here in the U.S., and I knew that I was going to get a ring. That's my first one. The second one is... Right after, uh, when we won, beat Florida, also, Coach Rose and I had a good moment. Yeah. Um, but after we beat Louisville in, in Las Vegas. That was back, yeah. yeah. I remember that As one. I was walking with Coach Rose to go to, to the press conference, I feel a tap on my shoulder. And I'm like, oh. And I turn around and I see it. And I just hear on a very southern accent, young man, I'm Roy Williams, the head coach of University of North Carolina. That was one of the best shooting performances I've ever seen in college basketball. Congratulations. I hope we get a chance to play you tomorrow. Oh. And now I'm going, you're Roy Williams. I watched it when he got game. And in blue chips with yes. Shaq, I hey. know who you hey, are. He had 29 points You had 29 in that game. In that yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's awesome. Those are the ones for me. Yeah. That's great. Do, do you have a favorite three-point shot that you've made? Is there, is there a favorite shot? Yeah. Um, right before halftime against North Carolina, um, they shoot a free throw. Coach Rice tells me to go down to the corner and do something that Mike Lloyd and I always did it. Mike Lloyd drives the length of the court. I come off. There's a handoff, and there's Tyler Hansborough and Danny Green on me, and I knock down a switch from probably about, you know, 
five feet or so back from the NBA line that they had it over there, and it goes nothing but net. And then you can see me running through and passing by Holly Rowe because she was with yeah, right. the yeah she was working with us back in yeah, the day. Yeah, the mountain. And so that is, you know, now everybody call it Jimmer range, but before it was <laughs> James <laughs> range. Yeah. So that's probably my favorite three-point yeah, shot. That's, that's awesome. I love that. Hey, will you come back and see us again? I yeah I we well, need to do an art show now I guess because yes that was yeah, we gotta do it show. and yeah. we'll speak Italian and be like hey grazie uh-huh. I'll leave it there Bravo. too yeah so that's awesome the, yeah this show has no bounds yes. I love it I Jonathan love it. hey John we brought here. a guitar in and I sang with my daughter great so well, we, uh, we, did, we do music on this show we, we <laughs> we're gonna do an art story. section everyone we're gonna bring JT in and do the art section thanks for having me guys thank you for being here we're so glad to have you JT Jonathan Tavinari outstanding three point shooter great guy and and uh, now a BYU TV basketball analyst and uh, yes. guest here on the Wise Guys uh, for the very first time but not for the last and again tomorrow night it's BYU at Baylor the Bears are number 14 in the country 7 o'clock mountain time on ESPN plus and BYU radio and then saturday january 13th byu's at ucf that's at two o'clock mountain time so it's a saturday afternoon game that one's on espn plus on and byu radio and then the next home game is tuesday january 16th against iowa state that's at seven mountain time on espn plus and byu radio let's bring in the head baseball coach trent pratt team opens practice here in a couple of weeks, maybe actually sooner than that, we'll ask him as the first season of the Big 12 is uh, just around the corner. A pleasure to welcome back to the Wise Guys, the head coach of the BYU baseball program, Trent Pratt. Good to have you with us. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming. Me. We're going to let DJ go and hit that button that's actually going to put you on our live stream yeah, and we so get, everyone can see we, that you're actually we had here. Trent, Trent came via, we, we could only get him via video last time because he was in, a, in between a couple of things, but he was gracious you to remember, come on. I think we the time before, you were in Hawaii. I was yeah, here. Yeah, and you, and yeah. I, and we we did it live from Hawaii. <laughs> you did. And we did it together, but now we got you in studio, which is great. Did you remember Tavanari? That guy could shoot. Could shoot. I remember watching him play, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't a shot he didn't take. He liked them all. <laughs> <laughs> and like Jimmer, he had the green light. Dave Rose yeah. gave him the green light. That Louisville so. game, it's like, when when did you feel like you're going to have a good game? He goes, I got off the bus and I was open. So <laughs> Now, the Big 12, Big 12 Basketball League has been talked about so much as the toughest basketball league in America, and we believe that. And we also know now what football's like and what soccer's going to be like, and we know what women's volleyball's going to be like. Um, what about baseball? It's right up there with them. Yeah. Um, besides the SEC, the Big 12 is probably right up in the top two or three in the country. So, man, we've got a big mountain to climb. Is it's, it exciting? It's exciting. We had a talk today, first, first day back in class, and we said, hey, it's going to be a challenge, but, man, we're, we're happy it's us. We're happy it's, it's our team and our guys that get to take this challenge on and, and get to work. So it's, ex- it's exciting. It's daunting, right? Um, all, all at the same time, have you noticed an, an uptick in players – that you have access to, that you get to talk to in the recruiting process as a result of them knowing you're going to be in the Big 12? Yeah, I think we've all seen that a little bit. I think um, kids maybe we called in the past that maybe aren't members of our faith that didn't return our college, didn't have interest. Yeah, We've had those kids on campus. Um, got one of them, lost a couple to some other big schools, but we're in the mix with those kids now. So definitely being in the Big 12 has helped with that. That's great. The uh, road games at West Virginia, Texas Tech, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State, and the home games, Houston, Kansas, Baylor, Oklahoma, and Cincinnati, uh, not scheduled to play UCF. Um, 
you know, we've spent so many years looking over the WCC schedule. <laughs> uh, and now we, we, ju- we just look at this one and we've gone to another planet, haven't we? It's a lot. Yeah, it's different for <laughs> now, sure. And your league, WCC had some good baseball. Yes, it did. And, and there were years where, where some of the best teams in the country, including BYU, were in them. Yeah. But this league from top to bottom is, is a different animal. Yeah, there's not many weekends off. And, that, and that's kind of the key is I think every sport we're seeing that, that every weekend is going to be a grind. It's going to be tough. So what's the format for this? You know, we talk about you go on the road. When you go on the road, you just don't go play West Virginia once. You guys you play a series with them, mm-hmm. right? How's that? How does that work so fans understand how that's going to work? Yeah, we fly on Wednesday, and we play a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Yeah. Um, try to get home Saturday night. So, yeah, we were on the road. We missed a lot of class on the yeah. road, but <clears throat> we get to know other guys really good, too. Um, we spend a lot of time together through travel and – so it's a good experience. But, yeah, baseball, it's a three-game series. And you take, you take tutors on the road with you because the guys, even though that's a difficult schedule and as a conference like the Big 12 that's spread out, they still have to keep up on their, on their studies, right? Yeah, and we do the best we can with that. Um, this fall, our team, Grace came out, we had a 3-3-5 GPA as a team. Good. So that's oh, one man. of the highest we've had in a while. Yeah, so that's great. Now the challenge is, hey, let's not go to a 2-5 during the season. Let's try to keep <laughs> yeah. it with a 3-0. Now, skiers uh, look at the 10-day forecast, and they love it because it's going to snow. You look at the 10-day forecast, and you're about to start practice. And you can practice outside because your field's got a heater in it where the snow will melt. But cold is cold. And so how does the, the January forecast of these next two weeks affect how you start? Well, this week's awful. I mean, we have a heater, but when it's supposed to snow every day, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it can't, it can't keep, keep up, up right? It. And it's cold, so... Like we have the IPF and we have you know good facilities we can work out in, so we'll get our work in. Um, just we'd like to be outside if we can, and if it's thirty and sunny, we'll go out. But this week doesn't look too good. No, yeah, when, no when's the first? When's let's see? When's the first home game scheduled? We've got that. It's like that first end of February, first of March. Got so to go home. So yeah. it's February. It's like, where's all this snow been the last two months, right? And now all of a sudden we're we're feeling like okay, it's. We're getting into the beginning of the year. It should start to... No, now we're going to get yeah, it. Yeah, I think my seven-year-old, what, January 3rd, practiced outside. He was in shorts and a T-shirt yeah. outside yeah. of Spanish We broke so golfing yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah, we need that weather yeah. now. Now, last year, of course, we had record snow. So well, let's hope for moderate yeah. snow because yeah. we yeah. want to get some home games in. Let's yeah. talk about some of the guys. Uh, and, and you got some pitchers coming back. And I know uh, when Bryce Robison, even though he, he participated in senior day last year, uh, as we see so many football players do, and then they go, hey, wait a sec, I still have another year to get ready to go get a job. But 7-3, and three, kid out of Las Vegas, leads your pitching staff. Yeah, he's been one of our best guys for the last two or three years, yeah. and we're lucky to have him back. Um, pitching, we struggled last year, had some injuries, and couldn't quite overcome them. But this year, with Bryce coming back, um, having Mason Olsen back, um, Boston Mabius back, and then bringing in some new guys, we feel like we're a lot deeper on the mound, have a chance to do a lot more. And that, that was one of our struggles last year was, you know, yeah. you know, on the mound. And we feel like this group has a chance to be a lot better. Yeah, what does Brett Hansen bring to you, transfer out of Vanderbilt? You'd mentioned the SEC mm-hmm. is one of the top baseball conferences in the country. He was a Max Preps High School All-American out of Pleasanton, mm-hmm. California. What does he bring to this staff? Yeah, he's, he's an experienced guy, left-handed. Um, hasn't had a chance to pitch a lot in college, but he's an older guy with some maturity. And him and his brother Ben was there last year and, and you know, had a, maybe a little rough year. But being back off a mission, that's – you kind of know what to get with pitchers as they come back. Ben so had, this year we expect him to step up and be a lot better. Ben had more bad luck than anyone <laughs> yeah. last year. He went 0-5. He had 10 starts, but he was your Saturday guy. And, and, and it seemed like, and I think I called a lot of those games where they were, it was a, a lead that got away late or whatever. It just couldn't get over the hump, but he had some great. He had some good starts for us, definitely. Starts, yeah. And we just got to find a way to finish those games out. And you know, we, had, we had moved Mason Olsen in the rotation last year. Yeah. We were planning him in the season to be towards the end of the game. 
And so now it allows Mason to be, we have some guys at the end of the game that, you know, have a chance to better finish the game for us. And hopefully knock on wood some better health this year. So yes, that you're deep, deep enough to, to have a deep, a deep bullpen and do is, all that. Is yeah. Mabius the closer? He'll be in the end of the game somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. He, he, I mean, he was, he was lights out for us. And we got him a lead at the end of the game yeah. towards the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. He did really good for us. Count on a win when we had a lead late with him. All right. Let's talk about some fielders. And I know Brock Watkins, who uh, was hurt all last year, except yeah. for those first few games. And I think I asked you probably 20 times, is Watkins <laughs> playing today? And you say, uh, we'll see how he warms up. We'll see how he warms yeah. up. Well, he's back and he's had an off season. How valuable is he in your middle infield? It's real valuable to have a guy with experience. Yeah. Um, we also brought in Crew Robinson, a transfer from UC San Diego that you know played a lot there as a second baseman. And so, I mean, we lost some guys offensively last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We lose Austin Deming, we lose Cole Gamble, um, but return Cooper Vest, Luke Anderson, um, Easton Jones. So there's a lot of new faces, but like every team, it's someone's going to step up. You know, Deming didn't have the year he had last year, the years before. Right. But he stepped up and had a huge year for us. And so I'm excited to see who that person's going to be this year. There were times when he was hitting softballs up there. He was unconscious. And he put those across the street to the Marriott Center. I'm sure, Center. Like, like JT was talking about, there's some out-of-body experiences with him, too, <laughs> yeah. with the ball was floating in there. Yeah, yeah. You guys have done really well with, with local – like Cooper, you mentioned Cooper Vest, the St. George kid, Easton Jones is a Lehigh kid. Um, how big is your emphasis on getting the top players in the state of Utah? We always want the best players in our state. We want to win, you yeah. know, those battles at home and then mix those in with kids, you know, from all over. Um, but, no, we, baseball in Utah has gotten a lot better the last little while, and we definitely, you know, want to keep those kids at home. Trent Pratt, head baseball coach at BYU's on the Wise Guys tonight, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. I thought uh, Luke Anderson – uh, was fun to watch, and we kind of went through the roller coaster of a freshman season with him, where yeah. there were days of brilliance, and then there were days of being a freshman. Uh, what What are your expectations for him? And then let's also go back to Cooper, who I thought um, might have been your best player all around those last uh, last last month of the season. Yeah, we're expecting like a lot of those two guys to kind of lead us. Um, Luke's man, he's an awesome kid. He's infectious. Kids love being around yeah. him. If people know Luke played, I think the last three or four weekends with a broken wrist. Right. Um, oh, man. He got hit at UC San Diego, and he's like, there's no way you're taking me out of the lineup. <laughs> like, there's no chance. And just the type of kid he is and what a good teammate he is. And, and Cooper the same way. Tough, gritty kid. And both those guys can help lead our young guys and some ex- inexperienced guys. Hey, here's how it's done. And we need those guys to have good years for us, for us to be successful. You, you mentioned some newcomers on the pitching staff will give you some depth and help with that. Uh, what, what newcomers do you have joining this year that, that you feel like, oh, this guy's going to contribute right away? Uh, we have Stone Cushing, a Salem kid that was at CSI, Maddox Peck from Bingham High School. Um, Is he related to Coach Peck that coached uh, football up there for so many years? I believe so. It has wow. to be, right? Legendary. Yeah, if you're a Peck and you're at Bingham, there's a legendary <laughs> football coach up there. Um, Casey and Bell from St. George, another freshman, Max Stanley. Uh, Brett Hansen. So it's like there's a lot of we have a lot of good arms, young arms. That, they're just inexperienced, mm. haven't really maybe pitched this level a lot. And so it's just how quickly can we get them acclimated and get them in a game? Um, Carter Foss that you know hasn't had a great career here, but has been lights out and really good this fall. And so we're expecting a lot of those guys, and hopefully that allows us to hey, some of us in trouble, we can get someone else in. Where last year we felt like we had to ride those starters a little longer than we would have liked to. Mm-hmm. Where the previous year, if the starter got to the fifth, we had. Nate Daly, Reed McLaughlin, Cy Nielsen. Had some dudes, yeah. yeah. Hey, we, got, we got a lead in the fifth or sixth. Hey, ball game. Those three guys are going to finish it for us. And that hurt losing Reed last year. And I haven't, you know, his common presence at the end of the game. So 
we look at this staff and it's, it's as deep as we've had. It's just, it's inexperience. So it's, hey, how quickly can we get them up to speed, you know, to, to new, a new speed of the game? Catcher, I think he went through three last year. Yeah. Um, Colin Reuter got hurt uh, and was out for most, right? Yeah, the whole season. And now he's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is he the, the lead guy down there? Or you still got a committee? We're hoping so hope the whole column will be healthy. He, his arm's healing up. Um, Hopefully, you know, that Colin can do it. He was really good for us as a freshman. Yeah. And if not, we have Parker Goff that right. came in and did a really good job for us uh, towards the middle end of the season. And we have Bryant Ball and a young freshman, Gavin Taylor, that, man, we think we, there's enough depth there. Um, we'd love Colin to be healthy. We saw what he did as a freshman. He's a big power bat and can really catch and throw. But if not, we know there's guys that can get back there and, and handle our pitching staff for us. If I remember right, uh, didn't Parker hit a home run his first at bat? I believe so. Yeah, Crushed and home. I remember talking <laughs> to his parents walking out after one of those games. And, and uh, I think, if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but his family had been mostly Utah a Utah Ute family, yeah. uh, uh, and, and he kind of surprised them by picking BYU, and they were adjusting to blue shirts and, yeah. and all that stuff. But they were all in, uh, and what a moment uh, for him. Yeah, his, his dad, Mikey, on. and my brother, Scott, were actually teammates at Utah for a year. Is that right? Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so we've you know, known Mikey for a while. <laughs> That's cool. We, we, we talked about this, this league and the challenges. What, what's the formula for winning in this league? Like, we're, as, as you look at what you're building, where do you think, man, we've just got to get better at, at, in this area. We've got to be better at that to compete for championships in this league. Obviously, we've got to get better on the mound and play better defense. You look at last year, we didn't pitch it great, and defensively, we didn't do a great job. A lot of that was injuries and guys not being healthy, but everyone has those. But that's, that's been the big emphasis this fall is, hey, we got to pitch and play defense. Mm-hmm. If you can't pitch, you're not going to win. Right. You cannot score everyone every night. Yeah. Um, there's there's going to be nights where, hey, we might have to outscore some people. But if you, if you don't the other team score, you got, you got a really good yeah, chance. Yeah, you got a great shot. <laughs> You've right? played uh, these Big 12 teams before. Mm-hmm. You played Texas and mm-hmm. you played Oklahoma State. Is pitching – the thing in the Big 12 is pitching depth. What, what is the biggest difference maker? I think it's just depth all around. I think you see in football and basketball, it's just the depth of their lineup one through nine, mm-hmm. the amount of like their depth on the mound, their first, you know, eight to 10 guys. And it's us just, you know, gradually building that depth. Um, but like anything, we're not expected going in and like, any game we play, we expect to win. Right. We're going to win every game. Sure. Right? And we're going to battle and, and like crazy. And we expect to go in and win games and, and compete like crazy. Is there a program in the league this year that we all should watch where you're, where you're just going, man, they're loaded coming mm-hmm. back. The, you know, the clear expected winner of this league, or is there a couple of teams? Probably TCU and, and Texas this year. Yeah. Uh, reading, you know, TCU was in the World Series last year, yeah. returned a lot of players. Um, Texas has been, you know, right there the right last there, three or four yeah, years. They're always there. Um, Kansas State has one of the best things they've had in a while. And so there's, there's not many letdowns in this league. West Virginia has one of the best hitters in the country. Went to a regional last year, so it's going to be awesome. And then we pick up Miami on a bye week. And so yeah, there you go. It's like it, it, we didn't do ourselves many favors. <laughs> right there. That's as random as the scheduling things I've seen. I was reading through the schedule, and I'm like, all of a sudden, the hurricanes show up in Miami. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in May, uh, those for bi- a couple those of days. Bye weeks are tough. You, you look and you know you're looking for people that need games, and it, it, that schedule came out late, so just trying to pick up game and someone. We lost a series with somebody when our schedule changed. They lost a series, and it's like, hey, we're open. You're open. Why couldn't you Let's go to Miami like in February? Yeah, exactly. That would have been awesome. We're going to Arizona, so not quite Miami, but close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trent Pratt's with us on the Wise Guys. Uh, two new additions, uh, Adam Law from the Dodgers, a former Coug, and Tyler Kulbaugh from Arizona. Join your staff and, and give you a whole different look. What do you like of these two guys? 
man, I, I love how they act with our players. Um, they're there all the time. They work. They're super energetic. Um, it's, it's what our kids need. You know, coaching Adam our first year here, we had a good relationship when he played here yeah. and he kept in contact since he left. Um, he's working as a mental strength guy with the Dodgers, also with their infielders. So he brings a world, mm. you know, of, of knowledge on the mental side, which we know is a big deal. And he has the ability to connect with our players really well. And Tyler's been around baseball his entire life. Um, dad's a big leaguer, coaches in the big leagues now. And so we just have some guys with baseball that give our players more avenues, more people to go to and, and teach. And so that's been a great job because we need to be a good job developing players. We're not going to go get the biggest five stars. We'll get some of them. We're not going to get all of them like some of their schools get. Right. So our bread and butter has got to be, we got to get guys and develop and get them better. How important is this? Because we see each team now um, as there's more resources, um, add like a coach that can help with mental health and resilience and, and with, uh, with uh, positive attitude and um, all, all of those kinds of things. How big a part of the game is that? And these teams in the Big 12 that you're going to be competing with, have they had this element for a long time? Or is this relatively new to baseball, period, and to all these other sports? No, it's been around, for, it's been around baseball for a while. Um, Coach Alvarez, there's a guy named Ken Revisa that's kind of like, you know, the godfather of this. And mm-hmm. when he pitched at Long Beach State, Ken Revisa was on their staff. And so some teams have had it. I think most of the teams in the Big 12 probably have someone. We're like we have Dr. Manning that works with us. Right. But also helps to have Adam with on a daily basis, right. like at bat to at bat, pitch to pitch, that um, baseball is a quick game and it's a game of a failure. Um, you're going to fail a lot more and succeed in that game. And so being able to look, you know, control your control and, and understand outcomes. And we have to talk about it a lot. Um, and the more we talk about it, the gradual, we'll gradually get better at it as well. We used to tell our little leaguers uh, down in Vegas, when we're going up against somebody three times their size who's throwing smoke, we just say, "Like we say, guys." Guy looks like he's nine feet tall on the mound. The harder, the harder he throws, the further it goes. Just and we just one. tried to get him to believe that. <laughs> just move it forward because they're bit. just ter- terrified to go in there. But you had to get him in there, right? It's, yeah. You have to go to the psyche and and uh, and get him into the box. The season opener is in the MLB Desert Invitational, February sixteenth. You get USC at Sloan Park, which is home of the Cubs. That's his team. Then like, you're he gonna lives play and dies with him. Ohio State on February 17th, and then on a Monday, February 19th, Grand Canyon. Those are three good games. Really right good programs. Three really good teams. Um, I'm good friends with all those head coaches, so it should be fun and, and a good challenge that you know, all great coaches and have good teams this year, so it should be exciting. And that, that home opener, uh, we were mentioning the end of February 29th through March 2nd, with, with Gonzaga coming mm-hmm. in for a series. So that's a team you're very really familiar with uh, to open it home with. Yeah. We've got to know their staff really well. Yeah. Um, we compliment each other well. And Coach Maktoff and his staff, it's been great playing them. And at the end of the year, like, hey, we want to keep this going as much as we can. We love coming here. We love playing you guys. Um, we love the battles we have. Let's find a way to keep it going. So we were happy that somehow that opened up. We'll see if we get it in. It's cold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, cold. yeah we'll the heaters on that hopefully one, of, hopefully one of those good winter days um, <laughs> that we get every once in a while. Did they put the same field in? They said they were going to go put the same field in the after playing one. on I, yours. I don't know if they put the heater in. I, I talked to Coach Maktoff through the process. I can't remember if they said they're doing the heater or not. That's one thing I, I, think I wasn't they were, sure of. They were jealous of that. And then will will we go up to Gonzaga next, the next year? next year, yep. Okay. Just do a home hey, And Dave them. and I are volunteering to go call that series in Miami. <laughs> Even if it's in May and it might be a little warm, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we're volunteering we'll to go, go call down that there. for sure. Yeah, you have to fight Greg for that one. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. Believe. <laughs> All BYU home games and every uh, Big 12 game be televised on ESPN+. And then every BYU game will also be on 
BYU Radio. The fundraisers, the first pitch dinner is coming up Thursday, January 18th at the Provo Marriott. Keynote speaker is Justin Sua, former BYU pitcher. Tell us about him and and, uh, and why folks need to get tickets and get down there. Man, you need to come listen to Justin talk. Um, was a great player here. He's worked on the, in the mental performance side. He's been full-time with the Devil Rays. Um, I think he just kind of left them as kind of his own, but he's worked at Cleveland Browns. Um, I know he's written two books as far as like for young wow. kids on working on the mental game. And we're excited to have him. I've got to know him a little bit this fall, just talking to him. And man, what a great human being and a great person and um, a good advocate for our program. And he, he has a lot to talk about and a lot of knowledge with stories in his, his journey through the professional ranks. I think he worked at Cleveland Browns as well at one time. Oh, yeah. I'm probably doing him some injustice. I don't have his profile <laughs> no, in front of me. That's all right. When you read yeah, it, he, sounds, he sounds really good, right? Just with what you're saying. No, but I mean, his dad played here. Um, he's a legacy you know, BYU player. And so it'll be great to have Justin back in Provo. And this is a phenomenal dinner. I've been to it many times. There's, there's the speaker, but there, there's the awards that, that uh, are presented to your players. I, I believe there's still a silent auction with some of the greatest memorabilia ever. Yeah, assembled. silent auction. And then, you know, Brian Santago will come up and do a live auction. And if you yeah, haven't, seen, he, Brian, he, he he auction haven't, haven't seen Brian in action, he can, he's something special, I'm sure. Just to so. come see him. It's, and it's fun that Justin Sua comes back in as a speaker, a former, former player. How engaged um, do the former players stay? Like, we've had Wally on the show. Um, Wally Jr. Yeah, just was just on a awesome. few weeks ago. It, did, it was so fun to reminisce with Wally about his time here and then his time um, in Major League Baseball when Wally World was at its uh, at its peak. We've had our favorite what, Cubs pitcher yep. on as well over the last I'm losing, uh, I'm last losing my season. mind. Yeah. Uh, Michael Rucker. Michael Rucker, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, Michael shared with us the experience of uh, one of his first uh, efforts coming out of the bullpen was uh, against Aaron Judge in Yankee Stadium. He told us this whole <laughs> – he says the last, thing, the last thing the pitching coach said to him is like, Whatever you do, don't get it up high in the strike zone, and he'll mash this thing out of here because bases were loaded. Yeah. And he says he's walking to the mound, he's saying to himself, like the great Vecini, he's like the great Vecini in his head, he's like, well, he's going to think for sure that I've got the scouting report, that there's no way I'll throw a high fastball. So what I think I should do is I should throw a high fastball, <laughs> and which he did, and he blew it by him. Um, and he actually struck Aaron Judge out. So, yeah. so anyhow, it's, it's, it's been fun to have those guys. I've been telling Dave we're going to go get, get my boy uh, Corey Snyder to come on and be with us, good friend. Yeah. Um, how much a part of the program do the alumni stay? And, and would you like to have more of them? And, and what, what are you doing to get those guys engaged? We want them all back. Um, there's, there's a lot that are involved, and we talk to quite a bit. But, yeah, we want them all back. Um, we have this place because of them. Yeah. Um, they're the guys that before us. And there's a great BYU history I don't think a lot of people know about. And we want those guys back and share it with our players and talk to them and, and have them around. Um, we welcome them back. If you have my number, if you don't have it, you're my email, call me. Like, we want you guys back in the program and, and involved. Um, it was awesome. Before our dinner last year, we had good weather, and Rucker actually came back. He was at the dinner, and yeah. he got on the mound, and he faced some of our guys. And oh, that's awesome. Anybody Ju- hit Juices, him? Yeah, we hit him pretty good. He, <laughs> and he, got, he got mad. And, <laughs> like, it, but it was a lot of fun just having yeah. him back and seeing him compete. And, man, it was great having Rucker with us. That's a guy that – you know, if you got a lead as a starter, if we got Ruck a one-run lead, it was like, okay, the game's over. Oh, yeah. The game's over. Because you could see it in his eyes. He was going to finish it. Right, he went 16-1, and one, right? It's yeah. Senior year. It was last year. Last year. Yeah, where it was. He had one loss. But, yeah. no, it was – you knew if you got – and we had a lot of good – he went up against Corbin Burns. He mm-hmm. went up against Mitchell White. Um, there was a three or four big leaguers that the West Coast Conference had on the yeah. Friday Night Guys that year. And 
He was and, great. And Ruck beat them all. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, the one thing I love about Michael Rucker is he loved his time here. His oh, whole yeah. life changed here. We, we love having yeah. him on because he talks about what, what BYU did for him as an individual and how much he enjoyed his time here. And it's yeah. really fun to talk to but him He did a lot that. for us, too. That's for sure. So yeah. let me ask you about a Bryce Harper question. Yeah. Uh, so I knew Bryce from Vegas, where he's a UNLV fan and a college of Southern Nevada ball player. But... Uh, but he was he visited with your team last summer, I believe it was or that was summer or the year couple, before. A couple fall or springs ago. He so was then in all town. of a sudden I'm like, hey, yeah. there's Bryce Harper talking to the Cougs, so so maybe he likes the Cougs a little more than <laughs> I than hope he so. We'll take off. him back too. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he had a great. It was awesome to see him talk to our team. He yeah. had Bryce and Stott with him. They came to get it. They were in town and got a lift in and and stopped in, and it was awesome to hear him talk to our team and for our kids to see something like that and and the words he shared with them was like, just hey, love your teammates. At the end of the day. That's what it's about. Um, play hard, but man, love each other, help each other out, um, become tight. And it was cool to hear that message from him being a big leaguer. That's what they try to focus on there. And, and he's lived it. You know, yeah. he's, he's even told the Phillies that he, he wants to be a forever Philly and he's making a fortune, but he's also not going, uh, Hey, I'm going to have another good game and I'm out. He's all yeah. in on Philadelphia. Yeah, and I'm going to leverage my success to make another, however many millions someplace <laughs> else. He just hasn't done that. Right. So one yeah. question we've asked all the coaches uh, who've marched into their Big 12 mm -hmm. seasons, uh, do, do your players have an idea of the challenge ahead? I mean, you see the names and this, but you, you know uh, what you're going into. Mark Pope knows what he's going into. Amber Whiting knows what she's going into. Kalani had a pretty good idea. Um, it's big time, but the reason it's big time is because it's tough. Yeah. And uh, these big wins are going to be massive wins. Uh, and there will be some defeats in there too, but this is where you this is where you want them to be. Yeah, we had that talk today. Is hey guys, we're in a good situation because they're not going to expect a lot out of us, which is good. And we need to take that with a chip on our shoulder and play a little angry mm -hmm. and, and go out there with a the presence and do and fight and claw and do whatever we can to beat somebody. So that's what we're trying to tell them is yeah, we know what it's like, but I don't think even I know what it's like as a coach to to coach against it week in and week out. As a player, I remember I played at Auburn, played in the SEC, right. and you knew there was there's no no rest. Didn't matter the where SEC you went ever. on the road, like man, that team might only have two wins, but you might get swept. Um, yeah, so, before that, you're in the Pac-12, yeah. so it's never been easy. So it's been a gauntlet, but it, it's different on this side of it, that's for sure. Yeah. But just preparing our guys to know, like, hey, we have an awesome opportunity to go do something here, and we're just we're thankful it's us. We're glad that we're in this situation. We actually have a chance to do it, and so that's our message. But we need to. We need to dig deep and find out what's going what's gonna to separate us and come with an identity real quick and be able to you know, last that throughout the season. I'm telling you, there's, there's few better places to be than Miller Park oh, on a Friday on, night. On a, beautiful, on a beautiful summer day, is there, is there a better setting in college baseball than what you have so. right there where you sit as a fan, where you sit and just gaze at Y Mountain and the, and the mountains and, and Timp and all of that cascade? I don't know that I've ever seen a stadium in a better setting. I don't think so either. People that there's a lot of pictures on social media, but that doesn't do it justice until you sit and see it live. And those those mountains are pretty majestic to sit up there and see. I think sometimes we take it for granted, but every once in a while, sit back and look at it. It's like, geez, Louise, we're pretty blessed to be here. Yeah. yeah every we're... single coach that I've done a pregame visit with all these years just stares at the mountains and you know even pepperdine who stares into the pacific yeah. ocean he's like, <laughs> like this, this is, is different this is, this awesome. is special. Yeah. we were doing a basketball <laughs> game a few weeks ago uh trenton um it, was it bellarmine or no who was it it was 
some people from back east, and I don't know, we were Could doing so many them. of them. But, but anyhow, we were coming out of practice. We went to their shoot-around. They came out, and they said, hey, could you guys come over and take a picture? They had the whole team together, and they wanted a picture with Mount Timpanogos in the background. And, uh, and Coach, oh, it was, it was Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, Coach I'm says, sorry. none of these kids have ever been out in the mountains before. <laughs> and he says, this is so cool for our... So he says we're, ha- we're having a hard time focusing because everybody just keeps wanting to come out and looking at the mountains, which is, which is really fun. And you get a little of that. Big Twelve teams coming in here, and they're not going to be used to that setting. The ball carries big time. My my days here were spent watching Wally and Corey and these guys. Uh, I watched Corey hit one uh, onto the top of the steps at the Mary Center, and Wally yeah. hit one on top of May Hall over in Heelman Hall. That doesn't surprise me with those yeah. two guys. That's the reason they played as long as they did. Yeah. Tickets to the first pitch dinner are still available through this Friday, January 12th, at sportscamps at byu.edu. Uh, the event's Thursday, January 18th at the Provo Marriott with uh, Justin Sua, former BYU pitcher, uh, back to tell his story and help raise some money for the baseball program. So follow the Cougs, get involved, and there's an opportunity for you to uh, to donate, participate. You get a, a, a player gets assigned to sit at each table, I think. We kind of help them. Or something they're, like they're, that. They're around or the waiters. Help people, or the, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. people do their seats. You, you get to hang out with the guys. Hopefully you get a chance to talk to some of our players and get to know them night. a little bit. I'm reminded when you were named head coach, we were talking to you about your son, your youngest, mm-hmm. who uh, and his reaction. Um, and um, how old is he now? He's seven now. He's seven now. How, how has he taken news of the Big 12, and he's seen the schedule, and what are his thoughts? Well, he knows a lot. If you ask him any basketball question right now, he's going to tell you who's ranked, who's not. Yeah. He knows they come does, out. Does he think Trevenel should have stayed in the game longer? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, he, didn't, he was six, so he didn't get to come to the game with me, but my wife texts me and goes, he had to turn the game off. He got frustrated towards <laughs> the end. We're not going to win. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's kind of a front runner that way. That's awesome. But, no, he's excited. He's already asked how many trips he can go on. Him mm-hmm. and my nine-year-old son is like, well, can we go to Oklahoma State? Can we go here? I'm like, I don't, we'll find out. Just just hold on for a minute. But, no, they're excited. Um, good. It's good to have them around. And run, you've seen them run around, run around oh, the yeah. park. It's mm-hmm. Man, it's, it's fun to have them. Occasionally, I'll get some insight from them in your office before the game yeah. as they come through. They're, they're full of – what I love that they love it. <laughs> and they love that their dad's the head coach. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you guys. Head baseball coach Trent Pratt. Uh, again, that uh, first pitch banquet's coming up January 18th. Practice, when's your first official day? We're like in, it, like what, limited hours. Yeah. Um, first official day is, I think, January 26th. And individual workouts they can go on right now? Yeah, we just okay. had meetings today, so we'll, we'll yeah, start I mean, you tomorrow. can be with them right now. Yeah. It's just a limited hours yeah, thing, right? We're like we eight hours a week with them. And, okay, and, cool. and you're, you're pretty much... And this, you're in in the indoor practice facility, yep. hitting with the nets and all that. We're right? trying to get that get that schedule. How we're going to make it work? And that's right. The next, it's crazy. It's at least this week. Too much intramurals in there. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, and it's next month. Next month, baseball starts. Exciting uh, times. February 16th against USC at Sloan Park in Mesa, Arizona. That's where we'll be. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll be. Thanks, Coach. Thanks for coming Thank you on guys. this trip. Looking forward to the season. BYU baseball on the coldest day of the year. We're talking BYU baseball. That's right. Just and we did. We held off. Up. We held off the snow for Trent. <laughs> So that he could get up to our undisclosed location in Provo, but we did disclose that it's on a hill, so it's not good when it snows. But but it's okay tonight. It's, it's holding off till tomorrow, okay so Trent can get it in and out of here safely. Appreciate so it. thanks, Coach. It. Thank, Thank you. you. Next week, Eric Mika and volleyball head coach Sean Olmstead will be on the Wise Guys. Uh, Mark Durant. On January 22nd, also working on a special guest that day. Yeah, and then I, I, January 29th. We're just, we're just gonna. We're just, can we tease that one a little bit? Which is, all we can it say might, is it we might, might be. We might have somebody that's a new player on the football team. That's yeah, all we're gonna say. Let's just leave it there. Tyler Hawes, 
going to join us on January 29th. Gordon Eakin, the head softball coach, will be with us on the 29th. Jerem Jordan's going to pop in from BYU yes. Sports Nation. Have we, so, had, we haven't had Jerem yet. Have no, we? We've no. had Spencer, right? We've had Spencer, and we are rolling into the new year with with a lot of fun That's stuff. Awesome. February is going to be loaded as well, including uh, Diljeet Taylor, who's going to come in. Uh, Steve Cleveland will be in. Uh, Jay Hill, defensive coordinator. Yes, will, will also excited be in. to have so Jay in here. We had Jay excited. on the show before, but it'll be fun to have him back and talk about this recruiting. Now this is his my, second class. My goodness, this recruiting class has been fun, and we're going to go through it in depth with him. Let's do the uh, Cougar Board question of the week. Yeah. If you're not familiar with Cougar Board, it's the largest online community of BYU fans with thousands of posts daily. And this question comes yeah, and from... I need, I need to read the question because it's really directed towards you. Well, I, and we and, can both ask. Jonathan Tavenari kind of answered it, so yeah, he, we, we he, can just do it he, quickly. He did. So, so, so this so. is from uh, insider subscriber user Cougar Fan Blue. Yeah, Cougar Fan Blue. And he writes, uh, it doesn't feel like Coach Pope has really addressed why Trevor Nell sat for so long in the second half, both when he was asked by me, you? Dave, yep. on the court as well as in the press room. Do you think his answers in the press room about wanting to keep fresh bodies on the floor and maintain matchup integrity are the reasons, or did something else happen that isn't being disclosed? So let me say, uh, as, as a guy who interviewed him about 30 minutes after the game, and it was a disappointing loss, and, and coaches, you know, don't love losing, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you can tell. Um, and I asked him uh, about uh, Trevenel going out after making his ninth three-pointer, and he stayed out for, for five minutes or so. Was that too long? And he said no. Um, and then he proceeded to talk about how important Nell is to the team. And, and then he said kind of the same stuff in the, in the uh, press room. You know, what he didn't say is, I blew it, I made a mistake, I blah, 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 blah. But you know what? When you're head coach, you don't have to. You don't even have to answer it. Right. Um, and uh, and he gave, uh, he gave the, his answer the way he wanted to answer it. And some thought oh, maybe I should have come back and said, well, why wasn't he in there? Which just isn't our place on BYU TV in that setting. We had to ask the question because that's what everyone wanted to ask him. So we asked him and we gave him the opportunity to answer it. And he answered it the way he wanted to. And uh, maybe if it was CBS Sports, we go, but, well, but man, why but, wasn't he? But you know but what, he wasn't. Even CBS Sports, and you and I have worked for the networks, and, and we do games for ESPN. They ask the coach a question. They, you, these, these networks have relationships with these leagues, and they're not about alienating coaches. Yeah, or so, just so, setting them off. Yeah, you don't, you don't go in there, and they don't give you an answer you like, so you dig down, you dig down. That's just but not you how you do it. you ask the question. You do ask you the asked question. You asked it, and you asked it, and he gave the answer, and that was good enough. Now, I don't think there's any conspiracy theory or there was something that he was hiding. I No, I don't um, think so. And it was interesting. Jonathan's take was really interesting that that he felt like he Jonathan thinks he really felt like he needed to get Jackson going. And that and that Trevin was going, but Jackson needed to to start to make some shots. And he didn't get going. And he didn't get going. Yeah. And and I would agree the, with the fact that Jackson and Trevin both need to be awesome for them to win games against the upper half of this league, for yeah. sure. And hindsight, and coaches don't like to say they're wrong. They, they'd just rather not. Um, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's an ego. It's a confidence thing. It's, it's I, I don't want the team to second-guess my second-guessing, so I'm not going to second-guess. But um, hindsight is you, you bring Nell out for 60 seconds and you put him back in the game. He has 27 and points. I, and I don't know if he was gassed or not, and that, and that could be why they brought him to the bench and they give him a short rest. Like, I... When somebody is like that crazy hot, or they're just not missing shots, um, I feel like you just ride them until they miss. Yeah. Like you just like, hey, dude's like, 
He's unconscious right now. So let's just keep going. If he misses a couple, then let's give him a blow. So let's see how they respond tomorrow night, yeah. Tuesday night at Baylor. And, and would you be surprised? I think you've already said this. Would you be surprised if they go down there, shoot lights out, and beat Baylor on the no. road? No, I think anybody can beat anybody. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not surprised if TCU they... TCU had Kansas beat in Lawrence, and the yeah. officials got involved. I won't be surprised if BYU goes down and doesn't shoot it well, and Baylor runs away with it. And, and I'm not going to be surprised if BYU goes down and all of a sudden has a rebound and shoots it really well and, and comes away with a win, because... BYU's good enough defensively. They get after I think they'll be much better. They're going to recommit to offensive rebounding. My biggest disappointment was I feel like defense and rebounding are reproducible from night to night. And for some reason, and they need to go look at that film and and, and figure out why they weren't as effective offensive rebounding the ball. I, I, was, I was fine with their defensive effort the other night. Um, but, but they're good enough on, in those two aspects, typically, that they can have an off-shooting night and still be in, in a basketball game and not get run out of the gym. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to getting punched in the mouth. Yeah. They responded fine after losing to Utah. Um, and, uh, and now we'll see yeah. after getting beat by, by Cincinnati. Uh, it's going to be every game's going to be, I got to... I got to watch and see this. They play Central Florida on Saturday, and they were picked 14th. BYU was picked 13th. But still, who's going to win that game? I have no idea. Yeah. It's just going to be something where, uh, you know, in years past, good BYU teams, when they're matched up against Pacific and they're favored by 20, beat them by 20. Um, You know, this year uh, in the Big 12, there aren't any Pacifics no, in Portland. There's not Even a Pacific. Central Florida. And, and you know what? The Big 12 can look at BYU and think of BYU as a Pacific. They're just not. And and uh, they're number four in the net yeah. after losing a home game. And and this is um, and this Baylor team, really long. I mean, this is, we'll be saying this about every team. Great coach. Really long, really athletic, phenomenally coached, um, really not, great at home. Not their first year in yeah. the Big 12. Yeah. Um, now, they don't jump off the page at me like Houston does. I look at Houston. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a collection of NBA guys. Like they're they're crazy athletic, right? Um, but Baylor's long at like we'll say this every week. Kansas long, athletic, great lateral quickness, and, and you know what? BYU unbelievably is? well coached with with Atiki and Foose and uh, and Waterman and Khalifa. They're long. How, what, we yeah. said that in their in their twelve and every, two starters. Like, well, BYU BYU's not tall, but they're long. Yeah, and and we. Every coach that we've, and we've done a bunch of games here in the last couple of months, um, says to us, man, they just look like a Power 5 team. They're different than they've been. They're long. They're athletic. When Jackson Robinson's back from this ankle injury and, and playing with the confidence he was playing with before, it, he's long, athletic, can shoot it as well as anybody in the country. Noah Waterman um, can get after the offensive glass. He's 6'11". He's really bouncy. He's long. He's athletic. Yeah. You know, uh, Khalifa's an elite-level passer, and he's 6'11". Um, so, and, and BYU's a little deceiving on the perimeter because guys like Spencer Johnson, who don't look very big, Spencer's six, five, and he's got great lateral quickness. He's a good perimeter defender. Um, this is a, you know, Trevin Nelson, elite level shooter. BYU's talented. This is a good basketball team, but in this league, there's going to be a period of the season when they lose three games in a row and. Fans are going to go out of their minds, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. They, they go into tomorrow's game, and and we don't have, as you see, we're not wearing goggles, so there's no blue goggles on here. We'll just go with the analytics. Uh, the numbers as they go into this game against Baylor, coming off the loss against Cincinnati, they are still the number one three point shooting team in the country. They're top six 
in defending the three. They're in the top 10 in rebound margin. They're in the top 10 in scoring. They're in the top 15 in scoring defense. They're in the top 10 in defending the three-point shot. This is why they were number two in the net. Right. This is why they're still number four in the net after a loss. And those numbers represent this team. Now, can they go in there in that environment and do that? Well, that's on them. But uh, but for us to say they got a chance to go into these games and beat them based on the analytics, the numbers are there right. saying, yeah, this is what this team does, and they do it better than this team. Let's see if they can actually do it. And do we expect? Do I expect them to win at Baylor? I don't. No, no, I don't expect them to win. But, but I might I, but get a, they could. Am I, am I be flabbergasted if they win? No, I'm not. I'm not going to be flabbergasted right. if they win. And then, then do I expect them to win at Central Florida? I actually expect them to win at Central they Florida. They should win at Central Florida. And I Florida. expect them to beat Iowa State at home um, next week. Yeah. Do you know? So so it's... And if you do that, you're yeah. two and two through four Big 12 games. That puts you at 14 hey, if, and if, four. If, 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 hey, before the season started, I would have said I would be happy if they were six and ten. And... Oh, wait, no, they play 18. Look, we'd have been six, just six, happy six if, and 12, if right? they were in the net. Now, now, all of a sudden, <laughs> I want them to be 9 and 9, and I'm going to be happy, right? My expectations changed a little bit because we saw that they're a little longer, a little more athletic, shoot the ball better than we thought, Look, last play, play better defense than we expected, rebound the ball. Now I want them 9 and 9 in the league. And if they go 9 and 9 in this league, amazing. They go 7 and 11 in this league. Amazing. And they'll be in the NCAA tournament at 7 and 11 in this league. Last January, around this time, they were 92 in the net. Yeah. Yeah, they're four now. Yeah. After a loss. Yeah. And here's the thing. You can go lose to Baylor and not move, really. No. No, because Baylor's right there, too. Yeah. So. All right. Some campus notes. Uh, and then we're going to talk some NFL as we're right. loaded wise guys here in 2024. And because so great to have you with us. we can just talk puka all day, all day long. But, <laughs> so. Women's basketball is 10-6. and six. They are 0-3 yeah. in the Big 12. Dropped their first Big uh, conference games at TCU and home against Oklahoma should have won the Oklahoma game. Didn't play very well in Iowa State. Just had too much size. Yeah, L- Lauren uh, Gustin got her seventieth career double double against the Cyclones. Seventieth seven zero for Lauren Gustin. But here's the thing, and I've I've watched this team now close for three to three uh, these three conference games. They got to get size. They got to get yeah. size move. They got guards. They've got guards coming in. But Iowa State and they're and young, Oklahoma, they're young and crazy talented tall. on the guard line, yeah. and they're going to just get better because those players are going to get experience. They got to have more bigs yeah. in this league. And they, they thought they had them. some coming that it didn't work out. They didn't right. hit school. So Amber Whiting in June had that problem solved. Yeah. But the team that uh, uh, started the season and now the team that exists now is a totally different team. There's no uh, Mackie Williams. She's out with the knee injury. Right. Uh, Nani Fawatea quit. Uh, and uh, and a couple of big kids didn't get didn't qual- in, didn't qualify, or didn't. And come. so now you got a different team, and you got young kids out there. And and bless Lauren Gustin's heart, she stayed yes. at BYU for this one last blast. She gets double teamed, she gets hacked, but she gets rebounds. And, she still uh, is the most elite rebounder <laughs> she's in still the country. Fighting. Still fighting. So this week they're at Houston on Wednesday, um, six p.m. Mountain Time. That's on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio, and then. Cincinnati at home on Saturday, 4 p.m. Mountain Time. That one's on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio as well. As for a future recruit, Delaney Gibb. Remember, she was on Wise Guys. Right. Today. She announced one of the top players in Canada. Well, her team came down. Raymond High School came down on a Utah tour, uh, and they played a few local teams here in Utah County, one of which was against American Fork. Mm-hmm. So I had a chance to go over and talk to Delaney and, uh, and her dad, who's the head coach, Alan Gibb, 
And um, we talked for just a few minutes before the game, and she said she can't wait to get here. Yeah. She wishes she was here right now. You saw her against American Fork, right? What, yeah. what was that like? She had at least 40 points. She's something special, yeah. isn't and she? You know what? My niece, uh, Callie Cundy, had 25. So they were going back and oh, forth. wow. But uh, Delaney's on a different level, and she sees the floor spectacularly. Um, and uh, it was just it was fun to watch, and it was fun to see. It was fun. The whole coaching staff was there to support her. And um, BYU's, she's be BYU's guard line, you at like, they have an elite level guard line in this league, and, and they're just young. Um, but I'm with you, man. They got to go out and get some bigs and maybe a transfer portal big or two. So, yeah. yeah, we'll see how that goes. Men's volleyball, they're still number nine the second week of the poll, yeah. 2 and 0. You know what? They are a fun. I watched the matches over the at least the Friday match because they were going head to head with our basketball game Saturday. Uh, they they got some guys, and they, I tell they, you, they, they hit that ball so hard. They always think they can win a national championship <laughs> every year, and they and they may. They they're they're that good. Um, this week they're at Loyola Chicago, who's a very good program. Thursday, January eleventh, at Lewis on Saturday. Lewis also a top program in the country. Um, next home match is Monday, January twenty second against Princeton, and that'll be on BYU TV. Yeah, BYU. Remember, men's volleyball is on BYU TV because men's volleyball is not in the Big right. 12. Ne- next Monday, you already mentioned this, but Sean Olmstead will be in here with us. Yeah, he's looking forward to coming back. Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll yeah. love having Sean and, on. Uh, and he's got a fun team to talk about. Yeah. Softball practice begins tomorrow, yeah. even with the snow. Uh, January 9th, practice begins. Their season opener is a little earlier than baseball. They're February 8th. They're going to Hawaii for, to play five yeah, games. They're in Manoa. Missouri, Kansas City is who they'll open with um, over there in Paradise, and then they'll stay and play four more games. And I also offered our services to go cover yeah. that if somebody would pay for it. I told them just expenses is all just, we Just expenses. Yep. Uh, the home opener, which is also the Big 12 opener, isn't until March 7th. So they're going to play a lot of games on the road in warm climates before they come up here, and let's hope for good weather. Yeah. And that complex, the, the softball-baseball complex, Larry Miller Park here, is phenomenal. So great, great home environment. Coach Gordon Eakin will join the Wise Guys on January 29th. Yeah, so it's we'll fun have having these on. guys back yeah. on. It's, we've been on the air now long enough for yeah. coaches this to make their, their returns. Their return appearance. Which and they're is all great. happy about it, which we love. Yeah, and, and, and we got Trent in for the first time today. We had to do it via Zoom last time, but Gordon came in with us last year. Yeah. So. And we're excited to have him coming yep. back. Yeah. Uh, we say hello to the panhandle of Kansas. Weston, thanks for watching the Wise yeah. Guys. Thanks for everybody on our stream um, and, uh, and watching us live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch wiseguys.com the podcast of course yeah, and, if you're, and if you're hearing this if you're hearing this on the podcast later in the week we're grateful for that as well notable so. cougars in the nfl the regular season is over the most notable let's talk about some of these guys and number one would be puka nakua how awesome was that nfl rookie record for receptions 105 uh receiving yards 1486 he's battling houston cj stroud um for rookie of the year award uh, he, he's a, been invited to the pro bowl so uh what a season for Puka Nakua. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. And I love that Sean Sean McVay um, – wait, Sean, is it Sean McVay? Yeah. 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 Um, as soon as he got the catch to break the second record, Get him out. he was like, great, good for him. Get him out of there. Like he does not want him hurt because they're in the playoffs. I don't think he's going to win the Rookie of the Year award, although he's he justified. Should. But uh, C.J. Stroud's gotten the Texans in the playoffs Yeah, but too. you know what? So and what? And quarterbacks are always favored. Yeah, and guess what? C.J. Stroud didn't break the rookie quarterback record. No, he did not. Not even close. No, but you know the bias for it's, quarterbacks. It's, it's terribly biased. Puka Nakua should be the offensive rookie of the year. We'll see what we'll see what happens. It would be awesome if he did. This record, the one record, stood for sixty years. Yeah, I know. 
I know. Come I'm on. all for it, but I have a feeling. And, and listening to the announcers over the weekend. From oh, CJ Strauss. Yeah, rookie Stroud. of the year. Look, he's got like, And I'm a quarterback, and I usually side on the side of quarterbacks, but not do. on this one. Tyler Algier. Had over 1,000 yards last year. He had to share carries with the, yeah. the Texas running back that they picked up. But Algier still finished with 659 yards rushing, four touchdowns. He had one receiving touchdown, which I think was a 70-yarder. Uh, so five total touchdowns for Algier in his second year. I was just watching his highlights from Sunday. He was just out there trucking fools. And, like, what I love is he's just a quiet guy. He, he ran to the sideline and trucked a guy and then didn't say anything, just got up. But his wide receiver was taken back by it, and he walked over and got in the guy's face and told him a little bit <laughs> about it. It was the second. On, in Tyler's behalf, he went over and talked talk. smack in the guy's face like, you just got trapped. <laughs> it was awesome. Taysom Hill, what a year. Yeah. Six of 11 for 83 yards passing and a touchdown. He rushed 75 times for 350 yards and four touchdowns. Should have rushed for 150 mm -hmm. Saints. Should have been in the playoffs. Uh he caught 29 passes for 263 yards and two touchdowns, and he had two tackles on special teams. Nobody does what That's amazing. Taysom Hill does. What we NFL. just read is literally amazing for an NFL football And we keep player. saying this, but he's a freak among freaks. It's a league. I'm telling you, he's going to the Hall of Fame. full of freakish athletes, and he's the freakish of the freaks, yeah. which is saying something. And you know, people talk about, well, Gavin and I were having this conversation, my son Gavin, he was saying, you know, people talk about Tim Tebow. Oh, this is what Tim Tebow could have been. No, he couldn't. No. Tim Tebow's not anywhere close to Taysom Hill in terms of speed. Tim Tebow's a big, strong dude that was a good athlete. He is not, he can't touch Taysom Hill's speed. End of story. Saints, no, he can't. Saints got a winning record. They missed the playoffs uh, just by a game because the Packers won. And, uh, and that was too bad. I was cheering against the Packers for that yeah. very reason. But uh, solid season for Taysom. Yeah. Gets out of it healthy. All these yeah. guys getting out of it yeah. healthy for the most part. Michael Davis, 62 tackles, three tackles for loss and an interception this season for, the, uh, for Chargers. the Chargers. And Kyle Van Noy, you know, just joined. You know, he told us earlier in the year on the, in, on the show, yeah, my whole goal is not to be in camp, so I don't have to go through that nonsense. He called his shot. I'm a veteran. I'm just going to join a team in <laughs> progress, which he did nine sacks which is his career record for a season. So it's the best sacking season, which he didn't join until the season had already started. Two forced fumbles in 14 games. What, what a season for Kyle Van And I'll tell you this. And we love having Kyle on the show. The Ravens, is there a team that's going to beat the Ravens in the Super no. Bowl? And Kyle can get his third <coughs> Super Bowl ring they're, they're this the, season. They're playing the best football in the league right now. It's crazy how hot they are right now. You know, and I can't name their running back, uh, but their quarterback's a stud. They lost yeah. their big tight end, but they still find ways to win. And their defense is tough, and Van Noy's having a blast. Yeah, and and the other, another great BYU linebacker who's largely considered the, the best linebacker in the National Football League, Fred Warner, 132 tackles again this year. Six tackles for loss, four interceptions, and four forced fumbles. Just a typical Fred Warner year. That may be the only team that can match up with the Ravens yeah. if they if they kind of get hot here in the playoffs. The Niners have a chance. Um, they do, um, and it'll be on Purdy. He's yeah. got to stay healthy. Remember, yeah. he got hurt last year, and then they had they had nothing. Yep. But um, yeah, that that could be a classic battle: Ravens and 49ers. Sione yeah. Taki Taki with the Browns, sixty six tackles, two sacks. And an interception. He's and really established himself. They're in the playoffs. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a moment. And Zach Wilson, the good news for Zach. Thank goodness. Is a story that Deseret News reported. Uh, shout out to Linda in Colorado. Thanks for watching the Wise Guys. Good to have you with us. Uh, Deseret News broke about a month ago that um, word got out that the, the Jets had already told Zach, hey, we're going to trade you at the end of the season. 
Thank goodness. Oh, get him out of there. And then they reaffirmed it Saturday. Or like Sunday. Jets, um, J-E-T-S stands for <laughs> death for quarterbacks. I don't, like, I don't know what the acronym, but it's death for quarterbacks. And, you know, and Aaron Rodgers is going to go back there next year. And, good luck, and Aaron. Good luck with that. Where, yeah. do you think, where do you think Zach should go? Um, people are talking about the Vikings, which is interesting because they have Jaron Hall yeah. there. Um, you know, uh, it could it could go anywhere as a backup. You could go to the Dolphins as a backup. Yeah, backup I'd like to see him in a system that has an offensive line. So I'd avoid the Vikings. Go, go at to all a costs. good go to a good team and sit in there. Like pull a Steve Young for heaven's sakes. Steve was with the Bucks. They were awful at the time. Come to the 49ers. And, and, here, and here the Bucks are. The last couple years are great again, but they were awful when Steve was there. He was running for his life, and then uh, he goes to the Niners and he backs up. Joe Montana, the legend. He didn't like it. He, he didn't like it. Then he becomes the legend because he yeah, had a chance to learn. He got a and, chance to do it. And so I, I'd be all for Zach going to an established program that wins. Hey, I, I'd be okay with the Ravens, although they have a young quarterback. Yeah. So I'd rather and they're have, paying him like a billion dollars. I, I, so let's there may be someone other than the Ravens. I'd rather have him go someplace with an older quarterback. Yeah. Some and, of the, so how it was supposed to be. Aaron Rodgers was going to right. be his tutor. But, but, and, but, but you I'm can't talking stay about a now. good team with a relatively yeah. older quarterback. Just, just Zach, before you sign with anyone, say I'd like to meet with the offensive line. Yeah, or I'd like to actually have one. <laughs> Do you have one? Because that's and a, I'd like to see the, the Jets. They're it's a bunch of guys impersonating offensive linemen because they don't have an offensive line. So Cougars in the playoffs, which start this weekend. Fred Warner's got a bye, yeah. so they're going to hang yeah. out. But Saturday, a couple of Cougs. Yeah, the Browns uh, are in playoffs against the Texans, so Sione Takitaki will be in that one. Good for the Browns. Yeah, Dolphins at the Chiefs, so Andy Reid. Um, back about, in the playoffs, about, of course. How about the Browns? They're playing with their fourth quarterback. Yeah. Right? Then they just bring in uh, Flacco uh, like a month and a half ago. Now there's a quarterback. And, there, and now, they're just there's winning. A, there's an older guy that, you know, how about the Browns? Go to Cleveland. Yeah. Well, Watson at some point is supposed to. It's going to come back. Yeah. But so I tell you, Flacco's the story, and he's got yep. him to the playoffs. Yeah. And and why wouldn't they beat the Texans? Yeah. And then Sunday, the Packers with Zane Anderson are at the Cowboys. I had to check the stats to make sure Zane was yeah. still on there. Yeah, he's, he's still, still there. there. And then uh, the Rams with who other than Puka Nakua you know, at the I'm Lions. Not, I'm not a Rams fan, but I think the Rams could get to I, the Super Bowl. I watch them just because of Puka. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, a Rams I'm fan, a but I fan. watched him because of Puka. You got you got Cup uh, and you got Puka, and then yeah. you got the running back who's really good, and then Stafford's playing great, and the defense is good. I, the Rams could be the wild card team yeah. that makes it to the Super Bowl. They're 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 good up front on defense. They're dynamic on offense. Stafford's a veteran guy that's been there. Yeah, the Rams could be the surprise team. That's your dark horse. I like that choice. And, you know, a lot of folks would say, well, what about the Lions? Kind of doing the same thing yeah. with, with what they got yeah, going they're on. They're the Lions. But that's a game I'm, I'm really interested to watch is Sunday, the Rams and the Lions. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild card weekend. It'll be a fun one. All right, let's roll out on this day as we sit live on the Wise Guys, January 8th. A lot of things that affected a lot of uh, us in different ways, especially sports fans, happened on this day. So let's start our rollout, and let's go to 1790. This is not a sporting event. Yes, but but President George Washington delivered the first State of the Union address. I'm assuming it was in New York City. Could have been. Could have been, and we've seen one ever since. Yeah, because remember, he, he was inaugurated on the steps of the Federal Building on Wall Street because the Capitol was in New York. That was before it was all negotiated by uh, Alexander Hamilton 
with Jefferson and that whole group from Virginia to move it to Washington, D.C. if they'd sign off on his financial deal. So. He could have been there or could have been out at uh, what? So we do art and What's history. What's this place out, Mount Vernon? We do art and history on this show. Yeah, they he moved, they moved it there. down. He made a deal. Alexander Hamilton made a, a backroom deal with the folks from Virginia, Thomas Jefferson in particular, that they'd uh, support his financial system that he wanted to put in place, that he'd make sure that they moved the capital down to Virginia, now to Washington, D.C. Major League Baseball could use Alexander Hamilton yes, as a they, commissioner. They could. Get some things done. He could get something done. So, 1835. The U.S. national debt is zero for the first and only time. Zero. That means that means we owe nothing. Today, we owe $33 trillion, just in case you were wondering. Zero. If you wonder what the tow board's up to today, it's up to $33 trillion. It's trending in the wrong direction. Yes, it is. Zero on this day in 1835. On this day in 1945, Kentucky sets the NCAA record by beating Arkansas State in basketball 75-6. to six. That's terrible. 75-6. to six. Makes you wonder how they gave up the six. Yeah, why, why couldn't they shut them out? Unbelievable. That would be something. But this was something. 1962, Jack Nicholas turns pro and finishes for tied for 15th at the Los Angeles Open. Or 50th, sorry. Tied for 50th on his first pro tournament. Worked out for him. Yeah. Some guys turn pro and it doesn't work out. Uh, it worked, out, it for worked Jack. out okay for Jack. 1972, on this day, the NCAA announces that freshmen can start playing on teams. Couldn't play before. That's right. Freshmen had to just go to school. So. That changed the game because now yeah. freshmen play one year and then they go in the NFL. Yeah, they go play. They go play. <laughs> 1984, the NCAA expands the NCAA tournament um, to 64 teams. And at the time, we're like, wow, 64. Yeah. Now, that's awesome. Now, Went from 32 to 64, I think. Now it's 68 because they have the play in. Now 68. Yeah, 68. And, and some people are talking about they should expand it further. Yeah. I don't think so. I think no, 68 is enough. It's like the bowl season. If, if you're not now, one of the 100 teams playing in a bowl, you probably don't deserve college it. College football playoff next year is going to 12. That'll be good. And it should be 16. Why is it not 16? I don't know. I don't Just because they're old-fashioned and it took yeah. so much teeth hey, pulling I'm to get to, to 12. Have, I'd happy to have it. Here's the thing. If it was 12, we might not have Washington and Michigan playing a national championship game right now because Oregon may have snuck in there or Ohio yeah. State may yeah. have gotten it done. Like, who knows? Or, or Georgia. Georgia. You, you know, know what? what? Georgia would be there. I, I think, think Georgia would be in there. If, I think if it was 12... Georgia would be in the national championship game today. I think they would have won the national championship. They, they looked, dominated in that bowl game. Yeah, they, they killed. And they Florida made Florida State. State. They just said, "Florida State, shut up and quit saying you're supposed to be in this thing." Yeah, where are your guys? Florida State hasn't peeped a bit since then. Have you noticed that? No, nor should they. Yeah. Birthdays on this day, January eighth, nineteen thirty-five. Elvis. That's all you need to say. Elvis, and we're not talking about Elvis Costello. No, just Elvis. Just Elvis. Nineteen forty-seven. David Bowie. 1957, Dwight Clark, who made the catch That's right. to lead the 49ers past the Cowboys in the 1981 NFC Championship game. Yeah. And as a Cowboy fan, I was so bugged. Yeah, it was it was great. Joe Montana, he just held it, he pumped, he pumped, and then he threw it to Dwight Clark. I, I, was, I, was, I swore he'd stepped out of bounds, but he didn't. Deaths on uh, January 8th in 1324. And by the way, I saw a bunch of buildings that were built in 1324. And I saw some buildings built in 12. Like, I'm not kidding, 12. They are just built in 12? 12. All right. So 2,000-year-old buildings when I was in, in, in Italy this week. But Marco that sounds Polo, like my student apartment at BYU. Marco Polo, the great uh, explorer, was born or died in, on this date in 1324. And, and, and now every pool game, yeah, Marco Polo, Polo yeah, you know, there right. it is. Uh, 1642, Galileo was passed away on this day. Yeah. And then in 1825, Eli Whitney, the inventor of the cotton gin, cotton revolutionized gin the way the we, yeah, the way we 
You got Process. a cotton shirt on? Yeah. Yeah. Change the world. Change the world, the cotton gin. Uh, 1941, Robert Baden-Powell of the Boy Scout movement passed away. 1941. Wow. Our Wise Guys inspirational quote of the week comes from Elvis Presley. Of, cr- of course it does. Born on this day in 1935. Here's what Elvis said. He said, I ain't no saint. But I've tried never to do anything that would hurt my family or offend God. I figure all any kid needs is hope and the feeling he or she belongs. If I could do or say anything that would give some kid that feeling, I would believe I had contributed something to the world. Elvis Presley. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, think, I think he was terribly underappreciated, uh, even though here, generations know who he is, but... But you read and learn a little bit about him away from stage. and um, He was inherently a good person. That quote, I think, right yeah, there, there says a lot about him. So, Thank Jonathan Tavanari and BYU baseball coach Trent Pratt for being with us on The Wise Guys tonight. Next week, we've got Eric Mika coming in and uh, volleyball coach Sean Olmstead. I'm going to be on BYU Sports Nation the rest of the week. There you go. Who are you co-hosting TV. with this week? Jerem. Oh, you Spencer's and Jerem. out of town. Uh, have fun there. So I'll see you tomorrow morning. And the... By the way, the podcast will be up tomorrow. Share it with your friends. Tell your friends. We, we love Monday nights. We're going to stay on Monday nights forever. Yep. Big things ahead for us and, and a super, super month ahead. We got it. It's going to be fun. It's great to be in 2024. It's great to be in the Big 12. And we heard from a coach tonight who is just about to march yep. in in the baseball season. And, and uh, it's just refreshing, isn't it? It's fun. It's fun stuff. It's not easy. Some great, some great programs will be coming in here for all of these winter and spring sports, and it's fun. See you next week. See you next week.